It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, 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 the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. And it is so good to have you here on the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com, Facebook Live, Twitter, Periscope, Spotify. We're everywhere. You're in the right place. Number to call, 631-676-2968. That is 631-676-2968. Call us up. Join the conversation. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. Good to have you in here on this Wednesday. We've got a big day today. Absolutely a ton to cover. The Celtics. What did I say about the Celtics yesterday? We're going to touch on that a little bit later as well. We've got Bleacher Reports and uh, stick to football co-host Connor Rogers calling it at eleven thirty, so you're not going to want to miss that as well. Um, we've got plenty of good stuff today. I'm excited for today's show. I've got power rankings coming up. God, we're loaded. Um, Evan and I, you know, we did this during the NFL regular season. We used to do it every week. Now we're going to do it every month um, for the Major League Baseball season. We're going to do the five things that we learned in Major League Baseball in the past month. There's going to be a lot to dissect there. He actually texted me that idea on the way here, so I still got to muster that up. Um, yeah, I didn't really give you much time. No, 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 no. You, you kind of just came right at me with it. But here we go. Here's where I want to start with this. And I'm sorry if I come off a little bit edgy. So I've seen this all over Twitter. I've seen this all over social media, and I've got to get this off my chest. Because it's absolutely driving me bananas how people are reacting to this entire situation. So, President Donald Trump, I guess, tweeted his congratulatory... He tweeted his congratulations to number two overall pick Nick Bosa out of Ohio State by being drafted by the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Um, and it has the entire world in uproar because he did not tweet his congratulations to the number one overall pick, Kyler Murray, who was the uh, drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. And what do we notice there? Automatically, the mean, the angry bird, Twitter, social media world, Nick Bosa is white, Kyler Murray is black. Oh, racist America! Right? That's the first thing we notice. So, let me just get after this for a second. Let me just tackle that for a second. The reason why that happened, and I find it hilarious because it's like they totally forgot what the story was two weeks prior to that. Nick Bosa is a public Trump supporter and one of the very few athletes that has made it known that he is a public Trump supporter. And the real story about this was, is that Nick Bosa, before the draft, deleted all of his pro-Trump tweets, deleted all of the things that might come off to, I guess, piss off his new teammates. I mean, think about it. He even said it himself. Look, he didn't even say, this isn't what I believe. 
He's like, I'm just going to take this down because there's a good chance I go to the Niners. Just to give you some background, here are some of the tweets that he said. One of them said, Kaepernick is a clown. Another one said, Black Panther, worst Marvel movie of all time. Another one said, Beyonce's music is trash. He also did pledge his allegiance to Trump. He is a Trump supporter. Now, this sort of story, I think, states with, and it really does stick, and it hits home to me personally, because I'm a guy that views, that I that has views, I would say, similar to Nick Bosa to the point of, yeah, I'm, I lean more right. I do. I, I lean a little bit more right. I do. Okay? Crucify me. Half the, other, half of the country agrees with me and half the country agrees with you. But doesn't this kind of speak to who we are? Doesn't this kind of speak to, you know, the problem in America is that we, have, we are a, a country of tolerance. We preach tolerance. But we will not be tolerant to intolerance. And if you are intolerant, we can crucify you. It is our right. Think about this for a second. Nick Bosa is one of the rare professional athletes now that seems to believe that Colin Kaepernick is a clown. Even though I will say this, it is a perfectly justifiable opinion. I don't think he's offending anybody. He doesn't believe in the stance. Look, I think that that's fine. It's his right to say it on Twitter. By the way, it was three years ago. Also, another thing. Just because Black Panther is... Now a model black superhero because there really are not very many black superheroes does not mean that Nick Bosa has to like the movie. Just because Beyonce is a powerful black woman does not mean that he has to like Beyonce's music. It's very simple. Look, I... (laughs) I've got nothing but respect for Beyonce for the the troubles that she has gone through in her life and what she has done to get through to where she's where she is now. Gotta be honest, I'm not a Beyonce fan. I'm not. I don't think her music's that good. It, it, that good. It just isn't my stuff. It isn't that to me. It isn't that good. That doesn't mean because I, that doesn't mean I don't like black people. Seriously, let's can we really think about this? You remember when Tiger Woods won the Masters? Of course you do. It's the most memorable thing to have memorable thing to happen in sports in years. After 11 years, despite all of the controversy that he's dealt with for the past 11 years of his life, the all the injury concerns, Tiger Woods won the Masters. I called him, after that happened, I called him the greatest athlete of all time. Part of the reason was, is because you know what Tiger did? 
He brought everybody together. Tiger Woods brought everybody in the country, and this is as divided as almost we've ever been. He brought everybody together. Now, God forbid that Nick Bosa has some differing opinions. Look, if you can't handle that in an NFL locker room, the problem does not lie within Nick Bosa. It lies within everybody else. He's allowed to have his opinions. Now, I can understand why people can be upset about Josh Hader. Why people can sometimes be upset about Josh Allen in those situations where, yeah, those tweets came off pretty racist. And you know what happened? He, he apologized for it. He had people back him up. Both of these guys did. And to be honest, the issue went away. They did their due diligence of it. This, with Nick Bosa, is not that. It's not that. I'm sorry, and and, and to be honest with you, I, I feel bad for people that legitimately think that you have to apologize for certain views that you have. This is the world we live in now. Nick Bosa was almost, and, and, and it was almost in everybody's minds, the consensus number one overall player in this year's NFL draft. Number one overall player. Okay, if the Arizona Cardinals did not have the number one overall pick, Nick Bosa would have been the number one overall pick. Based on talent alone, okay? The guy played three games this year and had six tackles for loss, four sacks. Had eight and a half sacks last year as a sophomore. This kid can really play. But instead... All the tension, all the attention gets grabbed by some tweets he made three years ago. That, to be honest with you, could you really say that he was being a racist? Look, I am the media. I am part of that group. And I'm sorry, I don't feel offended when people say fake news. I don't feel offended when people push narratives that aren't true. I don't get offended. I actually find it to be really stupid. Really stupid. Just ask yourself this, and this is what I really want to ask. Just because something makes you uncomfortable, ask yourself this question. What exactly did he do wrong? What exactly did he do wrong? Is he a bad teammate for this? Is he a bad person for this? Look. I think the one thing he's going to have... here's Well, here's the thing. Okay. I'll just say this. Bosa's going to walk into the locker room, and I definitely think a lot of players are going to have that sentimental feeling of, you know, whose side are you on, and what you know what's your purpose? And I think he's going to have to get by that once minicamp. Now, not to say he won't, but I think there will. Be, I think the, some of the players and some of his peers are going to have to are going to have to ask him, or going to have to. He's going to uh, have to talk to him. Agreed. And, and he's going to have to talk to them, and he's going to have to try to convince them that 
these that they won't get in the way and that he's not going to and that he's not going to become a distraction and that the players can accept him that's just that's just how it is and you know what the players have every right to feel that way and that's just how it is that's just how it is it's just, he's just going to have to win I will, people know about it publicly about his peers but who cares that's my point is if he does do. if, if he does the believe do. the players do but if he does believe this way why should they care does this mean that Nick Bosa is going to be a bad teammate does this mean that Nick Bosa is a is an admitted racist because it, of this? It, Why would they the be NFL, offended by his views? These the NFL athletes were literally in a battle with with the president for have been in a battle right. with the president for the last couple of years. Right. But so that doesn't that's mean just that, how it is. Right. But that doesn't mean that he has to pick sides. This is something that has nothing to do with football. On the field, Nick Bosa will treat Every single one of his teammates like a brother. And to be honest with you, off the field, he'll probably do that too. In the locker room, Nick Bosa will never talk about this, I guarantee you. But I think but they might talk about it to him too. And you know what? That's, but that's, that's not his mean. problem. That's their problem. But they know about it publicly, so it kind of but is But who cares? That, my, that's my point, is they know about this publicly. Everybody else knows about all their views publicly too, but they don't get bashed for it. It's because in well, the NFL, it is the majority opinion. There's also a lot of them that do keep it private, but it, that do keep it private. There is a lot that do right. keep it private. We but don't really let's know. be honest. Nick Bosa is not they, the only guy that 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 has publicly tweeted out but the president, that he doesn't like Beyonce's music. And the president literally called them SOBs a year ago. Of course he did. Absolutely he did. And look, that, fine. That doesn't mean that Nick Bosa does not have a right to like him. Oh nope! He called them I'm SOBs. Not, nope, that's it for me. No, nope. I'm not. Ju- Stop I, it. I'm not. I'm not one of those who. Listen, I'm not one of those. You can you can decide who you want to decide. When the election came around, 2016, you I I said to myself, whoever you guys feel is the person for the job, do it. I'm not one of the. I don't pick sides. But at the same time, yeah, I, I can understand why the NFL players are like, okay, this guy's been going after us for a while now, and you know because of you know. And when someone has that beliefs and is maybe on the side of the pres is on the side of a person who's been going after them, they kind of have to. You kind of have to be accepted by them, and they have to kind of talk and get along. Will the Niners and Bosa get along? I think I, so. I mean, well, hey, I, I, I we'll, we'll see. I, we'll see. I think they will too. We'll see, but we'll see. Time, we'll, we'll see once rookie minicamp OTAs trade kick off. I'm sure. We'll I'm sure the. I'm sure they're going to be asked about it every almost every day during minicamp and training camp. Mm-hmm. They're going to be asked about it a lot, so we're going to see. And but see, that's that's Bosa's, my thing. Is Bosa's it, view. I'm going to think though. I really think that Bosa's uh, Bosa's views that we know about are going to have to stay. Oh, agreed. Here. They look, have to stay. They have to stay up here. Oh, they look. can't be. Pu- do not say even if even if we get another battle between the NFL players and the NFL and the president again. Agreed. It has to stay up here. You're right. You can't say a- anything. Absolutely. And you know what? That's I'm what not, he has to do. No, look. Because I, then the 49ers are going to be ticked at him, and the players going to and the players going to be like, "Whose side do you want? Are you with right. us or are you with?" I, I agree, but that also has to be the rule for everybody else. I agree, but people know about it publicly with, I, with Bosa. Right. And yes, you're right but about if, this. Josh if, what Josh Hader did what Josh Hader did was awful. Josh Allen, awful. So I I'll agree with you know that we agree on that one. We agree on that aspect. Mm-hmm, those two what right. those two did what, what those two tweeted out was awful. Uh and that's and it's been you know, that's it that what they did was awful. But I'm just I what I'm saying is with Bosa is yeah. He, if we if we get another one like if we get another one between the president and the NFL, 
he has to be, you know, the players sure. are going to have to be like, hey, listen, we're your teammates, we're your peers. You got to be, you know, who are you going to be with? Because if the if the president's going after us again and calling us SOBs, you know, and saying fire them or whatever, you know, big, you know, what do you, you know, but see, you, that's, you, can't, you can't be, you my point, be, my point isn't really centered around, um, my point isn't really settled or, uh, centered around how the te- how his teammates are going to feel about it. My uh, my point is kind of isn't that kind of a problem? Look, if if Donald Trump has another falling out with players, why would the players go up to Nick Bosa and be just like, "Hey, you still like this guy?" Well, how about mind your own business? Look, the guy can feel however he wants to feel, but on the field and off the field, he still treats you like a brother, doesn't he? I'm sure he will. Listen, and I'm sure he will. I'm that's sure my he's point. So, I'm sure is he's so happy if, to be in the NFL. If if Nick Bosa is a good teammate and a good be, player, it, a good teammate, good player on the field, then th- none of this should matter. But it becomes. But it. then it could become a distraction to the team. That's kind of my. That's that's where I think it but could be. Here's my question to you: Why isn't it the other way around? Because well, it's not the other way around because the president has done a lot of bad. Listen, you can support. Listen, I'm not saying mm-hmm. you don't have to support the president all you want. The president has done and said a lot of bad things, and he's in a lot of hot water currently right now, and that situation needs to be resolved too. You know, we all know what that situation yeah, is. Yeah, but that all of all of that happens in every single year. It's just there's always something different. Look, I, all I'm saying is, is if you feel the way that Nick Bosa feels, you shouldn't have to apologize for it. You shouldn't have to apologize for it. You shouldn't have to be afraid of getting crucified for it. All right. Coming up next, Connor Rogers, Bleacher Report. He'll be joining us uh, in about a minute, so don't go anywhere. Uh, We're going to get him on, talk all things NFL draft. That's coming up next. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, You're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back. This is the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. Good to have you in here on this very gloomy, gray Wednesday here in New York. Yeah, it's been very gloomy over the last couple days here. All right, so bringing on now, joining us right now is Bleacher Reports and co-host to Stick to the Stick to Football podcast with Matt Miller, Connor Rogers. Connor, are you with us, my man? I'm with you. What's going on, guys? Not bad. How are you? So, look, I... You've been, you even told me when I first reached out to you that it's been hectic the past couple of days, and I'm sure it has been. Um, Let me ask you this. There was all of this stuff going on about Kyler Murray, if he was going to go number one, if he wasn't going to go number one. He ended up going to the Arizona Cardinals with the number one overall pick. In your mind, was that the right move? Yeah, I think it was because of the coaching hire they made. I mean, I'm a big Josh Rosen fan and, and felt the biggest problem with Arizona was kind of Steve Kime not hiring the right coach two years ago. They should have gotten somebody in there that could have developed Josh Rosen, and they really messed everything up from top to bottom. So they had to restart, and simply when you restart, that offensive head coach, especially a polarizing hire like Cliff Kingsbury, is going to want his guy that fits his system. And he unfortunately felt that Josh Rosen was not the answer to that and that Kyler Murray was. He's always been a big fan of Kyler Murray. So – no surprise here. I, my simple theory is, guys, if you make a bold head coaching hire like we've seen a lot of teams make on the offensive side, whether it is Zach Taylor, Matt LaFleur, or Cliff Kingsbury, 
you got to listen to him at the most important position, and that's quarterback. And clearly they feel uh, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray could be a successful relationship for a long time. See, thank you. That uh, A lot of people call me crazy for thinking exactly. I think you hit the nail on the head. See, I think that way too, and everybody calls me nuts. But, you know, neither here nor there. Now, again, talking about Kyler Murray, he was measured at the combine at 5'10". Does size, does size concern you about Kyler Murray? No, it doesn't. I think the most important thing with Kyler Murray is is how he's protected his body. You know, really over the last year, you watch him as a player maneuver. In, you know, in and out of the pocket or even the runs downfield, he knows when to get out of bounds, when to slide. I think that's a really underrated quality in a quarterback. I mean, you look across the league, and some guys are phenomenal at it, and some guys aren't. I think Josh Allen in Buffalo is a terrific example of a terrific runner. But unfortunately, he really doesn't know how to protect his body. So when it comes down to it, that's something that guys can improve at over time. But Kyler is pretty elite at it right now. Now, of course, you worry about the blindside hits or things that you can't control, the speed of the NFL, especially the speed of these pass rushers right. on the edge. But when it comes down to it for me, I, I, it really isn't a big concern. It doesn't ever affect his play, which is very important to know. And we just haven't seen him get hurt like that. Yeah, right. That's so- kind of my concern with Kyler Murray, Connor, is – his style of play and the fact that the corner offensive line is kind of in shambles. Are you concerned with his style and his ability to run the football, his ability to run? Is that going to hurt him in the NFL level where they're going to come at him and they're going to hit him and that offensive line is not going to be able to protect him? Does that concern you a bit right now with the Cardinals and him? Not as much in Cliff Kingsbury's system. I think the ball is going to be out quick. I mean, we just saw them invest three of those draft picks into wide receivers and kind of a different kind of receiver at each pick, whether it was the speed guy and Isabella you know, the red zone target size guy in Hakeem Butler, and, of course, the reliable possession guy with good hands in Keyshawn Johnson. So I think they have, you know, an idea of how they're going to build this offense. I'm not saying it's going to be a booming success this year. I think the biggest problem for this franchise is that they're in a division where the other three teams, I think, are going to be a lot better than them for at least the next two to three years. That's a huge issue, I think, right now. But one of my, you know, the least of my fears, honestly, is the the ability between Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury to put up points? Right. No, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I don't get how people how more people don't get that, but that's just me. Um, all right, so let's talk about the New York Giants. All right, they drafted Daniel Jones at number six overall. It was the pick that shocked the world. Um, I got to be honest with you, Connor. I think they butchered the first round. Give me your thoughts on the Daniel Jones uh, Jones pick and. Honestly, even the rest of their draft after that, I thought the Dexter Lawrence pick was awful. Yeah, I'm with you all the way. It's funny. I've been doing a lot of uh, you know cross-checking since the draft ended and a lot of value grading. And it was funny. Last night I'm looking. The Giants' three first-round picks, I didn't, and I'm not calling myself the Messiah here or anything, but I didn't have any of those guys in the top 32. They had three cracks at the first round, and I didn't have any of those players in the top 32. I thought wow. the best one was DeAndre Baker. Now, Dave Gettleman gets on the presser and he talks so much about high-character guys like that. Baker is somebody who had some of the worst interviews throughout the process. Now, I'm not saying he won't be successful because I think he's a really talented player on the field, but it's just an interesting nugget to me. And then you look at Dexter Lawrence, who was suspended during the college football playoff. It's just kind of ironic. Now, I think both those guys could be successful at the next level. Lawrence really looks like a two-down player. I didn't think they needed help in the two-down player department. Right. How many 350-pound linemen do they need? It's insane, and they have no pass rush presence on the edge. I know they got O'Shane Zimenez later on, who's a solid player, but not a spectacular one. Mm -hmm. When they could have gotten a spectacular pass rusher in the first round, 
Here's my biggest issue, guys. Dave Gettleman has no idea how to play the first round of the NFL draft. Nobody was taking Daniel Jones in the top 10, the top 15. I'm not even convinced anybody was taking him in the top 20 or 25 picks. So when it comes down to it, they could sit there, and they should be saying, that was our guy. They shouldn't be sitting there saying, well, somebody else would have taken him. No, it doesn't matter. Say it's your guy if that's how you feel. There's so many issues with this franchise right now. I did like their, you know, some of their day two and day three picks. I like Julian Love and Darius Slayton a lot. I think they had good value there. But listen, when you have picks like that and you trade back up in the first round where you have three first-round picks, that should be a franchise-altering draft. I don't see them getting a single franchise-altering player. So very frustrating. I'm not a believer in Daniel Jones. I had him really as a late second-round guy for a very long time. I don't see the round one traits. And even if he proves me wrong, there's still a lot of other problems with this draft. No, I, I agree with you. And, and I agree with you to the point because I was making this point yesterday about how if Dave Gettleman really did believe in Daniel Jones, why didn't you just say it, the presser? You know, just, if you really did have that, that – apparently he said he had a, the same grade on Daniel Jones that he did on Josh Allen, then just come out and say that he's your guy. He's absolutely your guy. Now, I know you're a Jet guy. You know, I've been a fan of yours for a while. Um, I know you're a Jet guy. They took Quinn and Williams at number three, and then in the third round, they actually went with Ja'Kai Polite, who, for the majority of the draft process, was known as a first-round talent, but absolutely butchered the on-field workouts and then butchered the interviews. What did you make of what the Jets did? You know, they didn't go with that out, you know, that uh, outside pass rusher that they haven't had in a long time. But they did get Quinn and Williams. What are your thoughts on how the Jets did this uh, in this year's draft? Yeah, it was interesting to see them get outside of their comfort zone for once. The Jets love to take safe players, and sometimes that word can really be misused. Sometimes they take older players from schools that they feel have a high floor and no ceiling. And I think the Jets, yes, they did that with the first pick. Mike McCagnan has always done that in the first round, whether it's Leonard Williams, Jamal Adams, even Sam Darnold and now Quinton Williams. Quinton Williams was viewed across the board as the safest player in this draft. Then, at the top of the third round, they went the complete opposite direction and took one of the riskiest, if not the biggest, boomer bust player in this draft. I love Ja'Kai Polite's ability, and I've been a big fan of his for quite some time. It was really disappointing how he handled the draft process. He was not prepared for interviews. His agent, I'm assuming, told him to gain all that weight. He put on the weight. He got hurt. His workouts were terrible. He's much more athletic than his workouts show. And he's in an interesting system now. Greg Williams is not going to be easy on him. But what I will say is I think the Jets felt comfortable rolling the dice on this player because, one, he went to the same high school as Leonard Williams. There's a big connection there. Mm -hmm. Two, he's from a Florida program where two starters on their defense and Marcus May and Brian Poole will have a pretty, pretty close handle on him. Three, they just gave C.J. Mosley $16 million a year to basically run that locker room. So the Jets are thinking here they can get this guy's head on straight and be the double-digit sack player that he was for Florida. It's a giant risk, but at some point you have to take risks. This is a team that has not won a lot of football games in the Mike McCagnan era. People are tired of it. You could say that their job is on the line if they lose this year. So it's good to actually see them go out swinging rather than just take a player that won't make an impact. We'll I find definitely, out really soon. I definitely agree for McCagden's sake. He really has – the Jets really have to compete and win. It's the, You look at the free agency what they've done. It, they've, they're trying to win. <clears throat> I think the one question I have with the Jets is, is that wide receiver? And I know the wide receiver draft gap was kind of Hollywood Brown, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and other guys, but the Jets really didn't kind of go for wide receiver. They didn't have any second-round picks. 
did you what did you think maybe the Jets kind of missed out on a wide receiver? Because they really don't have a true number one. You have Robbie Anderson, who's more of a number two deep threat. Quinton Unois, uh, they got a slot guy in uh, Jameson Crowder. Jameson Crowder. Obviously, Le'Veon's going to be used as a wide receiver. I'm curious to see what Adam Gase does. Do you think the Jets could have used a wide receiver in this draft? Could you see? Could you, do you or do you think that maybe it was best for the Jets to just pass on a receiver for uh, for Sam Darnold? I thought on day three they should have taken one of the guys with a big ceiling that could be developed, whether it was Kelvin Harmon, maybe get aggressive at the top of round four for Hakeem Butler, a player like that. I wasn't a fan of either, you know, the Blake Cashman pick or, or the, you know, the Rutgers corner. I think those were guys that have really been injured in school, and I, I'm never a fan of drafting guys like that. I usually sign those guys as UDFAs. But the Jets were never going to take a receiver at the top of this draft. There wasn't anyone worth the third overall pick. They didn't have a pick in the second round. So they kind of fell in a tough spot for that. Now, what I will say is another thing is Adam Gase has a voice in this room. I think this offensive staff loves Robbie Anderson. You saw the connection between him and Sam Darnold last year. Quincy Anunua was not healthy. He needs to prove that he can stay healthy to be the guy that they just gave a four-year contract to. And they did pay Jamison Crowder to be their you know, main slot guy. So this is going to be a tight end offense with Chris Herndon. They drafted Trevon Wesco. They're going to throw to Le'Veon Bell probably 60-plus times. Listen, will it be the most explosive unit? I I don't think so. But at the end of the day, I think they felt they had enough there where they simply had to solve other areas of need desperately. What do you think of the – another question for the Jets' offense is offensive line. Sam Darnold, of course, is going to have to be protected the same way Kyler Murray is. What did you think of the Chuma Odugia pick in, uh, from USC on offensive tackle with the third with the third round pick for getting a guy that Sam Donald kind of knows? And do you think there's maybe more the Jets could do later in the offseason for in terms of offensive line? Yeah, he's a very talented player. He really was a second round graded player with a fifth round you know mindset at times. I think there's work ethic concerns there. There's some effort concerns there. But the once again, Sam Donald signed off on this guy. You would have to assume. I mean, that's Sam's guy. Of course. At USC. Of course. They have a close relationship there. So clearly, once again, they doubled down on risk in the third round. They took Ja'Kai Polite for the defensive line, and they take Chuma Adoga for the offensive line. I, I think the most important thing here is the X factor of all of this. If the real Kaleche Osemele returns to form after an injury-plagued 2018 season, this is going to be a different unit because that guy is one of the best guards in football when he's healthy. Now, center is a concern. I, I'm curious to see – you know, the protection that they give to that position now or how much they have to use two tight end sets and Le'Veon Bell and pass protection because of the weak spot at center. That would be my concern. I think the tackles are average. I think the guards with assembly now can be an average group. Uh, and I think the most important thing is the ball has to come out quickly in this offense, and Sam Darnold will have to use his legs a lot again. Yeah, so let's, <laughs> let's talk about the Raiders. Mike Mayock and John Gruden, their first time around going through this. And I got to be honest with you, I absolutely love what they did. I do. And this is just coming from me. I'm not a draft expert. This is coming from an outsider guy. I was surprised that they took Cleveland Farrell at number four. But I got to be honest, I think the kid's going to be a really good NFL player. They made a lot of bold moves, and I think that they got good value late. Do you agree with that? I completely do. They were one of my A's in this draft. And it's interesting, guys, a story for you. When we were on the desk and the fourth overall pick comes in, the reactions were, you know, kind of the jaws kind of hit the floor between our host, Adam Lepko, our other draft analyst, Matt Miller. Right. And I sat there smiling. Cleveland Farrell was my 10th overall ranked player. And he plays a premium position at defensive end. Now, yes, he's kind of built like a 4-3 defensive end. But at the end of the day, if you want to take that guy at four, I understand the philosophy and actually really like the pick because, one, he was the captain 
captain of a team, a Clemson team that won two national titles. He was one of, if not the most productive player on that defensive line against the run and against the pass. So he was one of the best interviews across the board at the NFL Combine. People love this player. The Raiders need a makeover in that locker room. It's frontlined by him. It's frontlined by Jonathan Abram. Josh Jacobs will be the workhorse of the offense. They did a nice job on day three getting another high character, good blocking and receiving tight end in Foster Moreau. Hunter Renfro is somebody that can easily step in and start in the slot. I like what this team did. They were aggressive in you know, attacking the offensive line and free agency and starting to make over that unit. They got Antonio Brown, who I don't know if you guys heard, is pretty good at football. When it comes down <laughs> to it for right. me, I, they've, they're starting to build something there in Oakland. I think Mike Mayock clearly had control of the draft. John Gruden's draft last year was a mess. There's no doubt about that. This year it felt like they had a legitimate direction to build the foundation of this football team. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they absolutely killed it. One of my favorite picks that the actually by any team was the Raiders getting Josh Jacobs. Now that pick actually makes – more it makes actually it's more important now because the news came out today that Isaiah Crowell tore his Achilles and he's out for the rest of the year. Where do you think Josh Jacobs is going to fit in this John Gruden offense, and how is he going to help support and complement Derek Carr so Carr can kind of get bounced back, kind of bounce back to what he was say a few years ago and play and play good football? Yeah, well, Josh Jacobs better be ready to go because he's going to have more touches in this offense than he ever did in a single season at Alabama, working in a backfield of him, <laughs> Damian Harris, and Najee Harris right. over the years. So. I'm excited for him because he's such a true three-down back. He's a good pass protector. He has great hands. He's pretty explosive into his routes for a you know a short and stout kind of guy. Very powerful runner. I think the Raiders want to become a team that will punch you in the face on both sides of the ball. And I'm not saying they're going to win eight or nine games right away this year, but at least you can understand the direction they're going in. And I think Jacobs will be very, very productive, especially the space that having a guy like A.B. in that offense will create for him at the second level of the field. Right. So let's let's talk about the Packers because, I, I look, if you've listened to my show at all, I bash the Packers all the time by being too reliant on Aaron Rodgers to carry everything on the offensive side of the football, and I think that's been more of their problem than defense. Their defense was actually pretty good last year. Now, they did such a good job in free agency building this defense. They got the two pass rushers. They got Adrian Amos to play safety. And then they go defense with their first two picks in the se- in the first round. And not only just defense, but risky defensive players which were Sean Gary and Darnell Savage. They didn't address wide receiver at all. And then they took Jay Sternberger in the third round. The- Am I wrong for thinking that they really should have dialed in on offense in this draft instead of just piling on more defensive players like they've done in the past few years? I don't think you're wrong at all. Unfortunately, I had to call Green Bay one of my losers of this draft. I thought they went out and spent all that money in free agency on defense to open the door to do whatever they wanted in this draft, and clearly that was not the case. I don't understand Rashawn Gary in the top 15. I never will. And if he, t- if he blossoms into the player that we've heard about for the last four years, then I will definitely admit I was wrong. But I do not see a top 15 talent at all. He's a very, very raw pass rusher. I would have loved to see them take Noah Fant there. I could even justify – I mean, there's a lot of directions this team could have gone. I like Darnell Savage a lot. I think he's a really, really good football player with explosive traits. He could take away the football and, and bring it back the other way in the blink of an eye. I just, once again, I don't understand how you can prioritize defense that much in this trap and reach on a guy like Gary. That's the most frustrating part. If you took somebody that was worth the top 15 pick there, I could sell it a little bit. Sternberger is somebody who you cannot put in line because he literally cannot block anyone. Mm -hmm. So you have to use him as a move tight end. I didn't think he was explosive for a move tight end. 
You look at a guy like Noah Fant or even Irv Smith, you're like, okay, I get it. And Noah Fant's actually a good blocker. But with Irv Smith, he can't block, but you understand why he could be that Evan Ingram kind of chess piece. I don't really see that with Sternberger. So really weird draft for the Packers. Elton Jenkins is okay. I, I didn't think he was a great player. I thought he was a solid player. I just don't understand. I really don't understand. I think Aaron Rodgers is 35 years old, guys. Surround him with help for once. Don't just ask him to go out there, do it all by himself before he gets hurt again. A really, really strange draft for the Packers, as much as I like the Savage pick. Yeah, they they can't keep living with Marcus Valdez-Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown forever. They can't. Yeah. That pick, but, I mean, um, it's interesting. The Ravens picked him at 22, but I really thought Hollywood Brown was going to go with 21 with Green Bay. Speaking of wide receivers, were you surprised about the fall of DK Metcalf? What kind of surprised you about the fact that he really fell into the second round? Because after the combine, a lot it was talk was oh that was God. the greatest combine of all time. It was this, it was that. His play, his explosive ability at Ole Miss. Were you surprised about his fall late into the second round to Seattle of all teams? Late into the second round, yes. Off, you know, not in round one. No, I didn't think he was going to go round one. We did our final mock draft on Stick to Football on Monday. We didn't have him in the mock draft on the first round. I think when it came down to it, the medical concerns were really big for teams. He's a raw player. I love the player. I'll say that. He was in my top 20. I was a big fan of the player and the untapped potential. I thought he was actually really good when he was on the field this year. He'll be great for that Seattle offense if he can stay healthy. But, no, the surprise, it really wasn't a surprise to me. I had heard all along Hollywood Brown was a lock for round one. Uh, two days before the draft, I heard when Seattle had that extra first-rounder that Nikhil Harry came into play, he ends up going in the first round in New England. So, not really shocking. I think sometimes draft media, draft Twitter, and football fans in general, and I'm definitely guilty of it, overvalue skill players in drafts compared to NFL teams. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. I'm a, I'm a big Dallas Cowboy guy. Okay, and I went into day two. They go, okay, we didn't have a first-round pick, and I'm happy with Amari Cooper. Okay. Then they go with Tristan Hill and Connor McGovern. After passing on safety, they passed on Nazir Adderley. They passed on Taylor Rapp. They passed on Juan Thornhill. They passed on Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. They passed on Deontay Thompson. They passed on literally every safety until Donovan Wilson in round six. So, Connor, can you please at least comfort me with what they did? Because... This is a team that I think needs to win the division again, and I don't know if they did that. Yeah, I really like Tristan Hill, if that makes you feel any better. But I'm with you. Taylor Rapp was a a top 30 player for me. He was the best safety in this class. The feedback I got is that teams were really, really concerned about his hip injury. Take that for whatever it is. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a five-time pro bowler for the Rams, (laughs) knowing how things go. I love Taylor Rapp. I thought it was a seamless fit. And like you said, if you're not comfortable with his medical – there was other good safeties there. Nasir Adderley, Juan Thornhill. I love Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He's a true, true chess piece in coverage with great instincts. Tristan Hill's a good player. I think he's going to be really good in Dallas. At the end of the day, will that matter if they don't have adequate safety play? I don't know. Connor McGovern was the depth, and he might start at some point, that this offensive line needed. He's a great run blocker. Some pass protection concerns for me, but at that point of the draft, the value is fine. It was not the worst draft. It was just there was a couple things that I felt should have gone a different way for Dallas. Yeah, I I, I got to be honest with you. I was I, I was watching this draft with my fiance on day two, and I was thinking because I, I hated the Tristan Hill pick in the first round. I, I I'm sorry in the second round because I was just like 
Why? I, I, there are all these safeties there. Then I see a couple of the safeties fall to the third. I'm like, oh, my God, please don't screw this up. Please don't screw this up. Please, this, please don't screw this up. And then I hear Connor McGovern. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. But um, I got to say this. Um, again, we're talking to Connor Rogers, stick to football co-host and uh, of Bleacher Report. Um, now, you said that the Packers were one of your big losers. Who was, in your mind the big winner of the draft. I'll tell you who mine were. I thought the Raiders killed it, and I thought the Cardinals killed it. Who was your big winner? The, the four highest grades I gave, I was with you on the Raiders and the Cardinals. The other two that both got A-pluses from me, the best grades, was Tennessee and Buffalo. I, when I looked at those drafts, the value was unbelievable. They got impact players. I mean, the Bills, Ed Oliver at 9, Cody Ford at 38, they get Dawson Knox in the third round. I believe they got Boshan Joseph and Jaquan Johnson on day three. Those guys have right. starter potential at, at a minimum sub-package players. I, I thought they did a, amazing. Devin Singletary, it was a little bit of a reach, but you understand the fit in the offense there. So it's not a bad pick. The Bills killed it across the board. You look at Tennessee, A.J. Brown in the second round. Jeffrey Simmons was a top-five talent in this draft. They're going to be patient with his injury, and they'll get gigantic, gigantic rewards because of that. Amani Hooker, a top 75 player. They got him really late. David Long at the 188th pick. I thought he was a top 100 player. He'll be great with Mike Rabel. Those teams, they crush this draft. That's called value. And they just took good players at spots that they shouldn't have fallen to. It was, it was really impressive from each of those GMs. Yeah, I, and uh, here's, uh, here's my question before we let you go, because uh, I don't know if Evan's going to want to ask you something after this, but... My last question to you is, is that the New England Patriots, obviously they've been dominating the entire NFL for the past two decades, but I, gotta, I, I look at this and I feel sorry for other teams in the division because I thought they did incredibly well with Harry and Jawan Williams. I thought Winovich was a great pick in the third round. Tell me what your feeling was about the Patriots draft and did, I mean, did, I, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're a Jet guy, but did they kill it again? I thought overall they did very, very good. The reason I wouldn't say killed it is because Jawan Williams was a gigantic reach. Now, if he can successfully move to safety, it could be a great pick. I don't think he could play corner at the next level. He could not turn and run. A lot of guys six foot four cannot, even when Brandon right. you know, Bolden or all these guys, you know, when it comes down to it, when you're that tall, it's hard to turn and run, and he just can't do it. Now, if they can successfully convert to safety, it'll be a good pick. Uh, Nikhil Harry will be fine in that offense. I thought uh, Chase Winovich, Yadni Kajust, and even Yelda Froho were just incredible value picks for them. Not shocking in New England. I'm not a Jarrett Stidham guy, but I like taking the traits guy that late in the draft and hoping you could develop him. He was he looked like a deer in headlights behind that Auburn offensive line. It happens to guys. A lot of guys don't recover from that. Maybe in New England, Stidham can. So. I really, really like their draft. I thought, you know, once again, Jawan Williams is the X factor of the whole thing because I'm just not a big believer in him. But I think Winovich and Kajust and even Froho for a while, obviously Nikhil Harry, those guys are going to be players for New England for quite some time. Feisto, actually, Feisto and Nikhil Harry, my brother, my brother, who's a big Jets fan, was watching the draft, and once, they, once he heard Nikhil Harry's name, he put his hand on his head. He's like, you got to be kidding me. That Nikhil <laughs> Harry fell to the Patriots. He's like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, so uh, Connor Rogers, Bleacher Report, Stick to Football podcast, him, Matt Miller, Mello, the, you guys do a great job over there. Uh, Connor, thanks for joining us, man. It was absolutely a pleasure talking to you. We'll talk to you soon, bud. 
No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you. All right, Connor Rogers, Bleacher Report, the Stick to Football podcast. If you haven't heard the Stick to Football podcast with him and Matt Miller uh, and Matt's brother Mello, it's absolutely an incredible listen. And again, they do stuff. They, they do stuff all year round. It isn't just draft season. They do stuff. Lit- they're going to do stuff this week. They're going to start talking about the 2020 class this week, which is really, really crazy. Uh, and that, that draft class could be, especially at the quarterback position, with I, Trevor I'm excited Lawrence, to hear possibly about Trevor Lawrence, Tua, Tua of course, uh, Jake Fromm. Th- that class for quarterbacks could be. I mean, there was a lot of questions for the quarterback class this year. Next year, this is going to be a pretty darn strong it class. It is. It is. But, again, uh, thanks to Connor for joining us. Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report. All right, when we come back, our number two. What did I tell you about the Boston Celtics? I knew that they would just have their day. Coming up next, Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. And it is so Good to have you here. Haystack, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com, Facebook Live, Twitter, Periscope, Spotify. We're everywhere. You're in the right place. Number to call, 631-676-2968. That is 631-676-2968. Call us up. Join the conversation. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. Great first hour. Uh, Just talked to Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report. Gave us some really good stuff. Um, looked forward to talking to him all day yesterday. He's a smart guy, knows what he's talking about when it comes to the NFL draft. Um, still plenty to cover here in hour number two uh, here on this Wednesday. And I got to be honest with you. You know, when I'm, when I, when I, I, I told you not too long ago that I don't really base my happiness in life is when I, you know, I don't base it off of when I'm right about sports. I don't. Because I am too smart. I am too smart. I am too smart. I am too smart. SMRT. I mean SMART. <laughs> SMRT. <laughs> That's funny. But um I don't base my happiness off of when I'm right about sports. But boy, does it feel good when you're right. Oh, oh boy. Look, I'm just gonna say this. The Bucks beating the Celtics last night, is that not exactly what I said? Now, look, I'm not going to go ahead and get ahead of myself and say the Bucs are going to absolutely destroy the Celtics in this series, but I do believe that the Bucs are going to win it. I do. And this just goes to show you, because yesterday I said, you know, the, the Boston Celtics, they kind of remind me of a really unhealthy relationship. They're like the really hot couple that pretends to be happy. You know, they, they're kind of like, they go on the absolute best dates. They go on the best dates ever. Seriously, expensive dinners and candle lighting and they, nice, you know, movies and, and they go on nice walks on the beach and perfectness all around and, you know, good looking people. And, you know, that's one night of the week. And the other six nights, they're at each other's throats. Look, Boston has all the talent in the world. 
They've got all the talent that you could possibly want in an NBA team. Okay? Kyrie Irving is one of the three best point guards in the entire league. And after that, you've got crazy amount of depth and good young players. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Morris. You've got so many guys. And not only that, are you extremely well coached by Brad Stevens? Look, it makes too much sense, guys. Look, the the Boston Celtics... They should be annihilating every team in the postseason this year. And I know they swept the Indiana Pacers with no Victor Oladipo. Yeah, we all thought that the Pacers not having Victor Oladipo in the opening series wouldn't matter. But I guess, uh, yeah, it does. Because at the end of the game, they were going to Bojan Bogdanovich. Yeah, how many teams are going to win games like that, especially against a team with as much talent as the Celtics? Can I just say this? Can we at least agree on one thing? The Boston Celtics were supposed to be the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Milwaukee Bucks were supposed to be the Boston Celtics. Seriously, the Bucks were supposed to be a third, fourth seed, you know, kind of have their hiccups over the regular season, not always clicking on all cylinders, and the Boston Celtics were supposed to be mowing everybody down in the Eastern Conference. At the very least, they were supposed to be mowing player, uh, mowing teams down. Mowing them down. And I think everybody though had the Bucks as being a really, really Of I don't course. They, I don't know if they would have been I don't know if they would have been Celt like the Celtics, but, but definitely they what were. I'm, what I'm saying is is that you, you could have had that, right? But most the consensus was is that at the beginning of the year, most people had at least three teams over them, right? At most team most pl- people had Philadelphia, Toronto, and Boston ahead of Milwaukee. All right, I agree Nobody, with that. I don't think anybody, not a lot of people would have predicted Milwaukee would be better than all those teams. Maybe they would have been better than one, but what I'm saying is that the Celtics were supposed to be dominant all year. Why weren't they? Look, Kyrie, for a guy that has, you know, had his troubles with injuries, he missed 15 games, but look, it's not... You know, how he usually is in the 50s. Kyrie Irving played 67 games this year, played 33 minutes. He scored 24 points a game, became a better passer. He averaged seven assists a game. This was his career high in assists. Shot well from the field, shot well from three. Kyrie Irving was really good this year. But what did I tell you? I keep eluding back to this point. Terry Rozier said it best. Kyrie is our leader. If he has a good day, and I not even a good day on the court, if he has a good day off the court, he comes in in a good mood, nobody can beat us. He comes in in a bad mood, we're vulnerable. And it rings true. Look at what the Celtics did last night, okay? Their leading scorer was Marcus Morris with 17 points. He took eight shots, okay? Jason Tatum. Five points, two of ten shooting. Kyrie Irving, nine points, four of 18 shooting. Gordon Hayward, five points, one of five shooting. Terry Rozier, two of ten shooting, nine points. Guys, the Celtics had a great night in Milwaukee and got everybody on their heels. 
everybody was saying, oh my God, this series is over. This series is over. There's absolutely no chance, absolutely zero chance the Bucks can rebound from this. Well, Paul Pierce said that. Yeah, well, Paul Pierce said that. And I told you, just slow down on the Celtics. The Celtics aren't showing you anything different. It's not like it's the postseason and their entire mind has shifted from where they were in the regular season. There were nights where Boston obliterated teams. Obliterated them. Seriously. Men against boys, it looked like, on some nights. And that's who we expected the Celtics to be for the majority of the year. And then the next night, they don't shoot well. They get a little lazy on defense. Their confidence gets a little bit too much where it causes some complacency. And the Celtics just revert back to the underwhelming team they have been all year. Boston is a team to be reckoned with. Let me make that clear. They are not an easy win. But to think that a team like Milwaukee is just going to lay down and lay an egg against this Boston Celtic team is crazy. In my mind, Milwaukee's got the MVP. They've got the better player. And to be honest with you, they've been more consistent all year. I told you yesterday that winning has a lot to do with trust. Has a lot to do with trust. And last night, the Celtics proved once again excuse me, that I can't trust them. I can't. You know, they'll win a game at home, and maybe they'll even win two. They'll, you know, they'll probably take either game three or game four in Boston, then, you know, the game, you know, maybe they'll take a game in the game five in Milwaukee, or that's like game six in Boston if it gets there. You know, they'll they'll win a game or two at home. And then the series is just going to be over. Because that's all the Celtics are going to be able to give you. You know, everybody freaks out about, hey, look at what the Celtics did in game one. They destroyed Milwaukee in their own building. They claimed the cojones in the series. They absolutely just, they, they gripped them like this and yanked it and just totally took control. You're sounding like Vince McMahon right now. Yeah, right. Yeah, he took, he took the battle. He used ruthless aggression and he took it and he took that title. You sound like Vince McMahon right now. Mm. Also, this is but you. That's what, Bo- that's what Boston did, right, in game one. And then Milwaukee was just like, yeah, okay. How many times do you think we're going to be thinking about, you know, for game three, game four, you don't think Milwaukee's going to steal a game in their building? Look, the Bucks are a better basketball team. They're better defensively. They're more athletic. They've got more trustworthy shooters. Look, they're just better. The Bucks are better. And to be honest with you, they are, they're better than everybody, at least in the Eastern Conference, by a lot. They blow teams out. Largest margin of victory on average in the entire league, including the Warriors. They blow teams out. They blow teams out by 15 points a game. Look, Boston's very good. This year, they underwhelmed. It's not my fault. I don't have faith in the Boston Celtics. They haven't proven to me that I can trust them. 
You know, and the people that come at me and say, oh, but what about LeBron and those Cavs teams? Yeah, but, you know, I I kind of gave those Cavs teams a pass because I couldn't really trust them either, but they I trusted had... LeBron enough to just care, you know, drag him across the finish line. I think what's definitely... Kyrie Irving's an incredible player. He doesn't have LeBron value. He just doesn't. What's definitely more, I think, more disappointing is the difference is, and I we it's funny because we we both we kind of both compared the Celtics and the Cavs from last year. The Celtics and Cavs both kind of underperformed. I, I do say, the fourth I, seed. I do think that the Celtics are better than the Cavs. They're were definitely the better be- coach because Brad Stevens is to me a better better coach and better roster. I'll even say that sure. the, the better roster, at least from last year, at least from last year, the year that Kyrie wasn't there and it was just LeBron and Kevin Love and those guys. This Celtic team, I think, is better than that team. Yeah, mm. Kyrie Irving had nine points last night. I mean, that's not going to happen. Every, that's not going to happen every night. Four of eighteen from the field. That's not going to happen every every night. Kyrie's right, not. But, Kyrie's not going to do that. No, Kyrie's not going to do that. But they got good points at a at a Marcus Morris. They got good points at a Jalen Brown. You know, like they Al Horford has had a very nice series so far. Yep. I, I'm going to say this. I. It's the Celtics are not like the Warriors, where if one of their guys doesn't shoot well, another guy's just going to pick it up, right? Kyrie Irving is going to score thirty in Milwaukee next game, and I would even bet you this: the Celtics are probably going to have one more player in double digits, and it'll probably be Al Horford, mm. and that's it. Jason Tatum will put up eight. Jalen Brown will put up six. Gordon Hayward will put up nine. It's just. Nobody's gonna. Nobody is blowing me away for the Boston Celtics right now. Nobody is. So I don't know. It, take what you want with that. It, take, say what you want and take what you want with that and run with it. I got the Bucks and I. I'll even say I'll take. I'll take the Bucks. I will take the Bucks in six. Six. I'm gonna take. I the still Bucks think. In six. Nah, this series is going seven. This I is, think it. It could. Be serious, it this could. Series, I think it's but that's seven. the thing. Is to, and I. This is my. And I'm actually gonna ask you this question. Not even just the general audience. I'm actually gonna ask you. Okay. Do you trust the Celtics? Based on Do what they've shown them? you all regular season, right? Because you even agreed with me that. You know they look amazing one night. And then for oh, another two weeks straight, they're average at best. They are inconsistent you, as heck. Do you trust them? That's no. my question. No, but what's funny is in since the, this is a team that's kind of been there, they they uh-huh. had the experience last year. They went to seven with the Cavs last year. Kyrie right. has won a finals. He's been to three straight. You know, he went he went to two three straight finals uh, prior to his appearance in Boston last year. Almost got to the finals last year. Right. Gordon Hayward's a solid vet. Al Horford, of course, has been there. He's a solid yeah, vet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got young players. I, I, they're inconsistent as heck. It's weird. Like uh-huh. it's just so weird to see them be as 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 roller coaster Jekyll and Hyde as they are. Mm-hmm. At the same time, because it's a big series, it's a big games, and they they know what's they know what's up. I do trust them to possibly take this series. Am I picking them? No, I actually am picking the Bucks in seven. But I I I. I think they got a legit chance to win this series. Of course they do. Mm-hmm. I think that, I definitely think they, well, could, they could got take a, this series. They have a shot. I just okay, I I trust I do I trust them to take the series. Like I can't I, I think the I think that Boston has the talent to do it. Of course they do. They have they have like I keep saying, they have as much talent as anybody in the league. But I can't pick them and I can't trust them, especially over a team like Milwaukee. And I know everybody was hot on the Celtics at the beginning of the I year, and, even, and even at the end of the regular season, you saw a lot of te- a lot of people say, "Hey, I'm taking Boston." To- Again, I just 
Based on what I've seen from Boston this year, I cannot pick them. I can't. Boston has not earned my trust this year. They earned my trust last year, but not this year. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't buy it. All right. But all right. Here's the segment. Here's the segment in seven seconds in a nutshell. <laughs> Hey, look, I was not <laughs> laughing at the fact that I was right. Because honestly, Evan, I, I'll even I'll even say this. I could still be wrong. If Boston wins this series, I'm wrong. But if they lose it, then I'm dead on. All right. Uh, and I feel like the majority of people out there are picking the Celtics to win this series. I feel like I'm actually in the minority. And the Bucs are the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Believe that. Yeah, the Bucs are the number one seed in the East. And they're... Can it, they're treated as an underdog in this series. Well, Do you believe that? Hold on a minute. Well, again, who was a higher seed last year in the Eastern Conference Finals? Boston was. Boston over Cleveland. And I think a lot of people... And I get it. People say, well, LeBron, but a lot of people pick Cleveland in that series. A lot of people pick Cleveland. No, you're right. And, and that's that's the thing. Is it, you're right about that. But LeBron does have a big swing in that sort of direction, right? I can understand. Because I feel like, and I'm going to end it on this. I feel like everybody from last year that's watching the Eastern Conference this year, I feel like they're kind of making that next jump. They're kind of, you know, taking that what they did last year. Now that LeBron's gone from the East, there's that team that has to be clearly the best in the Eastern Conference. It isn't like that anymore. It isn't like that anymore. So, like, they're saying that, oh, the Boston Celtics, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They went into Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie Irving last year. Now they've got Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward back. So, yeah, that was obviously, they're going to go. I'm I, sorry. I, I, and I the, forgot. Actually, I forgot. Toronto I, got better. Philadelphia got better. Milwaukee definitely got better. The, the Celtics are not the only team that got better from last year. In fact, the Celtics are worse than they were last year. And I'm not going to say that's because of Kyrie Irving, but... They they're just not as good. They're just not. And with Kyrie, I actually have to. I actually have to, I forgot. I actually I forgot with Kyrie. He wasn't there last year with the torn ACL because I forgot the torn ACL. All right. So actually, Cleveland actually. It's and it like took that. a while for Gordon Hayward to fit in. It yeah. took a while for Jalen Brown to adjust to his new role. Jason Tatum's not having as good of a year. It's just a lot of things aren't going right. And, and Cle- Cleveland last year. And there's be- the thing going on with Kyrie Irving and his free agency, agency and right. that's a distraction in there. I mean, there's a lot more stuff going on within the Boston Celtics now. And, I can't trust them. And I'm Cleveland sorry. last year, Cleveland, Cleveland last year as a four seed took out took out beat Boston who was yeah. actually the two and yeah. of course the series before that swept Toronto who was the one. Yeah, right. So, no, I, I get and it. I get, and I think in Cleveland and I think a lot of people in those two series even after Cleveland had to fight out to get to get, to get out of to beat Indiana a lot of people still pick Cleveland over Toronto, and even though Toronto's the one seed, a lot of people still pick Cleveland over Boston. Maybe, like you said, it was most likely because of LeBron factor, but that's how it was. That's why I think still Boston. I think it's with that fact where Boston is the four seed, but yeah, they're still the more talented team. But right yeah. now, Milwaukee's just better. I agree right. with that. Milwaukee no, I, right I now agree. is just better. All right, uh, coming up next, I'm going to go power rankings. I'm going to go NFC and AFC. I'm going to try and fit them in both before hour number three. You think I could do that? I'm going to try it. I'm going to give it a good it shot. Top it's 10 12. Or top five? It's 12. No, it's top 16. Oh, it's it oh, the 16, entire AFC. 16 and 16. Mm, I, think so, it, I don't think you make it. I'm going to try you it. Might, I'm going to try split, it. You might have to split it. It's 1230. I'm going to give it a shot. You might have to split it. I might have to split it, but I'm going to give it a shot. Look, if I can go 10 minutes and 10 minutes after a five minute break, I 
Come on, Evan, that's doable. All right, you want to do it? Let's try it. Let's try it. Let's All try right, it. let's go to break. Coming up next, AFC and NFC power rankings. I'm going to see if I can fit it in before hour number three. This is the Haystack of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back. Haystack, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my klutzy producer. What happened? <laughs> I forgot this thing called NF called music for our for our thing for our segment. So I I got it up really really quick as the thing actually as the drop it, as the drop was playing. I got it up, uh, and the funny thing is, it actually went really well with it. If you hear like the music in the back, I thought it actually went really well. That's just me. All right, all right. It was sloppy, but actually thought it was pretty decent sloppy. <laughs> all right. So I handed out draft grades yesterday, and this now today, I'm going to go power rankings. We Time's a-wasting. I'm going to try and fit both conferences in here uh, you've got, as quick as if, I can. You've got, you're, it's 12.36. You you, it's 12.36. Mike Guido is now on the clock. All right, here we go. <laughs> Let's do the NFC first. All right, number 16. And I have a feeling I'm going to get a lot of disagreement from you in this one. Is uh, the NFC? Yeah. I, I have a feeling I'm going to get a lot of disagreement from you. Again, this post-draft, this is how I I have them right now. Things can change. Number 16 in the NFC. I'm sorry. It's the New York Giants. I think the New York Giants are going to be the worst team in the NFL. Uh, they, they might be the worst team in the NFL next year. I think they're going to be incredibly bad. I think Big Mike's team has a lot to say about that. I know. Miami's not going to be good either. But the New York Giants, they just... Uh, I think they absolutely butchered this first round again. It, when we had Connor Rogers on before, he totally agreed with me. Dexter Lawrence, I didn't think it was a good pick. Daniel Jones is not going to play right away. DeAndre Baker, I didn't hate, but again, I didn't. I I, ne- I didn't have him as a top corner. I know they needed one. He's going to be a fine player, but I don't think they did enough to improve. And their roster's just butchered. Their defense is still incredibly bad. They traded away Odell. They don't have great weapons right now. I just. I don't believe in the Giants. Giants at 16. Uh, 15, I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals. Look, I think they're going to get better. I think they are going to get better this year. I think Kyler Murray fitting in with Cliff Kingsbury. They're going to show signs of brilliance, and I think it's going to be really nice to watch at points. But their roster is still pretty scarce. I mean, they've got a decent pass rush. Uh, I think at some point during the season, they're probably going to trade Patrick Peterson, so they're not really going to have a corner. Um... The one thing that I love that they did is that they stacked up on weapons. Hakeem Butler, guys like Andy Isabella. They still got Christian Kirk from last year. Keyshawn Johnson. They still have Larry Fitzgerald. I think they they still have guys that they can go to. And I think Kyler Murray is going to make them better, just not good enough yet. So give me the Arizona Cardinals at number 15. Uh, 14, another NFC East team. Give me the Washington Redskins. I think it's going to take them a while to get back. They actually have a pretty good roster. They've got a good pass rush, a good front seven. Uh, and a very good offensive line. So I, the sky is the limit for them. They're going to have a nice running game. Their weapons are really limited. I really don't like what they have there. Who knows if Adrian Peterson is going to be able to put what he did on the field last year, uh, this year as well. To be honest, I don't even know who's going to play running back for them, whether it's going to be him, whether it's going to be Darius Geis, whether it's going to be Bryce Love. Even if he does, you got Geis and Love. I, look, you've got a nice combo there. But it's it kind of reminds me of what they did a few years ago with Samaj P. Ryan and Robert Kelly and like it could end up being like that too. And again, the real main part of this, I really don't think they have a quarterback. Now, they drafted Dwayne Haskins, who I really like. I just 
Dwayne Haskins is not going to start the year. Dwayne Haskins might come in in the middle of the year or he something should. like that for Case he Keenum. Should. But Case Keenum, I think, is going to struggle at the beginning of the year. And Dwayne Haskins, I think, is going to struggle as a rookie. I do. He doesn't have he doesn't have great targets, you know, to throw to. So uh, even though I think Dwayne Haskins is going to be a good NFL quarterback, I think he's going to struggle a little bit early. Give me the Redskins at 14. Uh, 13, this was the team that I think did the worst out of any team in the draft. Give me the Detroit Lions. I I, I really don't think that they're that good. Um Matthew, I think they're getting close to the point where they're giving up on Matthew Stafford. Maybe they give him another year or two. I agree with and that. And then I think they're probably just going to let him go and start over. It's not. They're, a, they're it's, not winning anything. He's a good quarterback. Just he, they're not yeah, winning anything with it, him. They're just not. It's not his fault. But after it's not his fault. But no, I think it's, it's not. just that after a decade, they just you, can't build. You have zero playoff wins with him. It's like what, they what, what are you doing here? Yeah, they can't build anything. They drafted T.J. Hawkinson, who I really love as a player. Just I didn't love the pick. Again, Detroit just doesn't excite me. I think they're going to struggle on the ground. They lost Golden Tate. They're go- they're going to be rolling with um, Danny Amendola and Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. Say what you want about that; it might be okay, but who knows? Patriots, baby. You know, it, it, yeah, they're the Patriots without the winning. Um, that's what Cowherd said yesterday. I stole it from him. Um, I mean, he steals <laughs> he steals everything from me, so why can't I steal anything from him? <laughs> Uh, Detroit, I got them at 13. Okay, uh, number 12, uh, I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that they are a solid team. They did fill some holes. I think Devin White was a great pick, but I think they kind of did average after that. I mean, they addressed secondary with the next two picks with Jamel Dean and Sean Bunting, who are both good players. But again, I really think at some point, you do need to find a way to protect Jameis Winston a little bit better. You know what I mean? You do need to build that offensive line. I like DeMar Dotson at right tackle. I like Ali Marpet. Other than that, they really don't have anything. They don't have a left tackle. They just, I I don't know. Weapons-wise, I actually think they're pretty good. Um, even though they lost to Sean Jackson, they lost Adam Humphreys. So that's going to struggle a little bit. They still have Mike Evans. I like O.J. Howard, and I like um, Cameron Brait. But we're going to see. Again, this could be really good. We're going to see what Bruce Arians can do with Jameis Winston. I don't think it's going to be anything special, uh, but give me the Buccaneers at number 12. All right, number 11. I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers. And again, I just... Carolina is one of those teams that I just cannot buy into every year because they start off every year hot, and then they lose like six games straight. They just do. Cam Newton, I think, is a very good NFL quarterback. But most of the time, he just isn't precise at throwing the football. I mean, last year was only his second year in his entire career where we had a completion percentage over 60%. And I just, I can't buy it. Christian McCaffrey, I think, is going to have a fine year this year. And I think that defense is actually going to struggle. The Panthers are kind of known for their defense a little bit more. They lost a lot of pieces. Other than that, uh, other than Keekley and some of their defensive tackles, they really don't have much. They don't have much in the secondary. They don't have a great pass rush. I know they drafted Brian Burns, but it'll probably take them a little bit to get there. I'm going to take the Panthers at number 11. Plus, I think they, they're they playing. That NFC South division is going to be really competitive. Atlanta will be back. I, they're going to have a bounce back here. Carolina, I'm going to put Carolina at number 11. I'm not in love with them. Uh, number 10, I think they're definitely going to be better than last year, a lot better than last year. I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers. I think that they are much improved. I think they're going to be a lot better when Jimmy Garoppolo comes back. Uh, I love George Kittle as a tight end. I think he's already a top five tight end in the league. Um, I think they did very well at addressing weapons. I think they getting Debo Samuel was a nice pick. 
And I think getting Jalen Hurd was a nice pick because I think Kyle Shanahan could be really creative with him. Uh, and then as far as running back is concerned, Tevin Coleman and Jurek McKinnon, I think, could be really nice over there. Um, uh, defensively, they're going to have a really nasty pass rush. I still think they need some big-time help in the secondary. But San Francisco, I think, is going to be very improved. Give me the 49ers at number 10. All right, number 9. This is a team that I can't buy into almost every single year. I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks. I just... Their roster just doesn't impress me. I And to be honest, I don't... They didn't really impress me in the draft. LJ Collier in the first round, I didn't hate because Pete Carroll likes those kind of guys. The only pick that I really liked that they made was DK Metcalf at the end of the second round. But that just might be... That might not even be making their receiving core better. It might just be replacing a guy if Doug Baldwin retires. Right. So, and again, I think their defense has a ton of holes. I think they're awful at corner. They're awful at safety. Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright are really the only guys that are, you know, kind of stapled into that defense. Other than that, I, I think they're kind of weak. Jerron Reed's not terrible in the middle, but that's really all they've got. Seattle, I'm going to take at number nine. Uh, number eight, this is where I have the Atlanta Falcons. And I think that it's fair to say that they could very easily bounce back. Atlanta, I think, is a very talented football team. But I think they're going to have the same problem last year that they did this year. And it's not with injuries. It's with stopping the run. And I think that's going to be really, really crucial for them when they've got McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara in their division. That's going to be really, really tough. So, and to be honest, in the draft, they didn't really address their issues. They they stapled the right side of that offensive line. But who knows how those guys are going to turn out. Both of those guys I thought were second rounders, Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry. I didn't love what they did in the draft. I don't think they improved that much. I really don't think they did. And again, we're going to see how Calvin Ridley is in his second year. We're going to see how Devontae Freeman is without De Tevin Coleman. There are plenty of question marks with this team. There are. So give me the Atlanta Falcons at number eight. Uh, number seven, I'm going to take the Green Bay Packers. I think that they are... They are definitely improved. Their defense, one thing I can give them credit for is their defense is going to be very good next year. They are going to have, if they are healthy, they are going to rush the passer. They're going to be good in coverage. And I think they're going to be good at stopping the run. That interior defensive line's nasty with Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels. Um, and again, even adding Rashawn Gary to that mix, I think does make that defensive line better. However, my biggest thing with the Packers was you needed to help Aaron Rodgers on the offensive side. You had to, and you didn't do it. The biggest help you gave him was Jay Sternberger. And to be honest with you, they don't really use tight ends in their offense. They just don't. We've seen it with Jimmy Graham. I mean, Jared Cook had that one great catch against the Cowboys that I regretfully remember, but... No kidding. That was really it. I mean, the last tight end that really succeeded in that offense was Jermichael Finley, and that was years ago. So I just, I don't see it. Green Bay at number seven. I think... I will say this, though. I think they do have a fair shot to win the division. They have that weird feeling where they could win the division, but I'm going to put them at number uh, seven right Chicago now. Chicago and Minnesota are way past them. Well, we, you're going to see. Number six, I have the Chicago Bears. I think the Bears are probably prone to take a tiny step back because people have now had a year to figure out what Matt Nagy's trying to do. I think he's still a great coach. Um, but again, we're going to have to see how they are on the ground. They traded Jordan Howard. They drafted David Montgomery, who they want to take over. We got to see if he's an every down back. We're, we're going to see what they get out of Tariq Cohen. You know, 
What are you going to get out of Mitch Trubisky? Is he going to be the same player? That defense is still nasty. Even though they lost Adrian Amos, I think they're still going to be okay. Bryce Callahan, too, slot corner. Bryce Callahan, that's a loss, too. So they do have a little bit of need in the secondary. Give me the Chicago Bears at number six. Still very well coached, great defensively. Just they have some question marks at number six. Number five, give me the Dallas Cowboys. I think that they have a great roster in the draft. They didn't do anything sexy, but I do think that they filled some holes. They needed some offensive line depth. So getting Connor McGovern does protect them uh, from possible injuries, whether it's Travis Frederick or Zach Martin or any of those guys. You can actually plug and play Connor McGovern right there, and that'd be fine. Um, and then when you're talking, and I actually think it could improve their offensive line dramatically if they move Connor Williams over to right tackle, because that's where I think he should be playing. Connor Williams is more of a tackle to me than a guard. Um, and defensively, I think they're stout. I really do. I think adding Tristan Hill as much. As I really didn't love their draft, I think Tristan Hill is a good three-technique defensive tackle that they can plug and play and I think cause havoc on the interior as a rookie. Um, I still think that they could use a little bit of work at safety. They're not desperate for it, but I think you're going to get a good year out of Dak Prescott. You're going to get a good year out of Zeke. Give me the Dallas Cowboys at number five. Especially Dak if they don't pay him, he'll he'll be in a contract year, and he'll be playing for a contract. Right. That's our real. By the way, a real. That's our first real disagreement. Bears Bears over the Cowboys to me. My, yeah, exactly. my opinion. Oh yeah. All right. And no. they're pretty much the same team, but I mean they are pretty much the same team. Solid quarterbacks, good running games, great defenses, decent enough weapons. I no. think as a unit, the Bears might be. I think they're better than the Cowboys. But move on. You can go ahead now. This is contingent on health. Number four, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that they are. Very talented, but this is contingent on if Carson Wentz can stay healthy. If Carson Wentz is healthy, they don't have Nick Foles anymore to try to bail him out. Carson Wentz is their guy. They're riding with him. Okay, I like the Andre Dillard pick because Jason Peters is 37 years old. He's not going to last forever. But I still think they need help in the secondary. I'm not in love with what they have. They improved their running game with Jordan Howard and drafting Miles Sanders. So I think the Eagles are going to be good. They're probably going to win the division in the AFC East and uh, the, the NFC East from what I see. But again, don't be surprised if they're a little bit disappointing. The Eagles at number four. Number three is where I have the Minnesota Vikings. I think they're going to be very good. I, I, I'm telling you, right. I think Kirk Cousins is going to explode in his second year in Minnesota. I think they're going to learn to know. Uh, they're going to come to learn that they are not going to regret giving him all that money. God, I, that roster is so oh, loaded. it's talented. It's, it's so loaded. loaded. Defensively, they don't have a weakness at any position. I think that when you're looking at corner, they've got Xavier Rhodes. They still have Mike Hughes from last year who played well as a rookie before he got hurt. Uh, they've got plenty of talent, good linebackers. They brought back Anthony Barr. I think their pass rush is nasty with Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter. And then offensively, I think that they did incredibly well in the draft. Getting Garrett Bradbury to help the interior of that offensive line was huge for them. Huge. I think he's going to make an immediate impact. And again, getting Irv Smith to help out that offense as well as a second tight end just gives Kirk Cousins another weapon. He likes those two tight end sets. He dealt with a lot of them in Washington. That's going to be really good. I have the Vikings as the favorite in the NFC North. I think they're going to be pretty good. Vikings at number three. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Rams. I think that they are definitely worse than they were last year. I don't. They're not going to get Sue back. Um, and I look, uh, Taylor Rapp, uh, Connor. I agree uh, with what uh, Connor Rogers said before. 
Taylor Rapp could become a pro bowler in Los Angeles because that's just the way that it works. But he's going to have to find a way to fit immediately. You know, is he going to play for Eric Weddle? Is he going to play for John Johnson? Both of those are very good safeties. So he's going to have to find a way to play there. But at the very same time, I will say this. Coaching matters. Sean McVay is going to coach this team to success. And to be honest with you, I don't really think that their division is all that competitive right now. San Francisco is a low-key pretty good. Arizona still stinks. And I'm not in love with Seattle. I'm just not. I think the Rams are going to have a pretty easy time in their division, maybe 5-1 and one in their division. Seattle will always be pesky, but, yeah, the Rams have a big gap between them yeah, and everyone else. I, I, yeah, and to be honest with you, I, I know a lot of people don't love Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff is a very nice young quarterback. I agree. But I do. There I are some throws that he makes where there are not a lot of quarterbacks in the league that can make throws that Jared Goff makes. Oh, I, no. He is an incredibly talented kid, so I got the Rams at number two. Coming off the Super Bowl, though, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Goff there to, is. to real to, to you know. And there is. It, it right. may be unfair because you because you know it may be unfair to Goff, but at the end of the day, he's going to have to you're going to have to really answer a lot of critics from that Super Bowl. Right. And by process of elimination, the number one team in the NFC, the way that I see it, is the New Orleans Saints. I think that they have done nothing but get better. I thought they killed the draft with what they did have getting Eric McCoy, getting Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. You basically filled your two needs right there. I think they're both very good players. And again, I know Drew Brees is getting older, but the guy ages like fine wine, man. I mean, he's still so precise with the football. He's got a ton of weapons. Look, I think his running game is incredibly good. That offensive line is very good now. The Saints are just a good football team, and they've got a great, they have a good division to compete in. This is going to be the year where I think the Saints could take it home. I really do. They are incredibly good. Giving the New Orleans Saints as the number one team in the NFC. Well, they have to because they got two years ago. They had the Minnesota Miracle with Stephon Diggs. Last year, they've they've been complaining all for months now since what happened in the title game. At the, at this point, for the Saints, you have to win it all. You really do. You, right. It's super. It's super. You got to win it. You got to win it all. No so, more. No more complaining. So here we go. So just to recap, and yes, we will go to break before we go to the AFC because it is 12.53. we got to go top of the hour. But Told you. Yeah, 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 whatever, Evan. Um, Giants at 16, uh, Cardinals at 15, Redskins at 14, Detroit at 13, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 12, Panthers at 11, Niners at 10, Seattle at 9, the Falcons at 8, the Packers at seven. And then the top six, the Bears at six, Cowboys at five, Eagles at four, Vikings at three, Rams at two, Saints at one. You already told me one disagree. Oh, I you disagree have- with you heavily. Actually, both both go with the Bears. I think, right, I agree. Minnesota's going to have a bounce back year next year. They're going to be really in it for the division. I just think Chicago right now is just better than the Bears, is better than the Vikings, and they're better than Dallas. I probably would have the Bears. I understand your. Uh, I understand that they might have a bounce, uh, a bit of a bit of a step back after another year with uh, Matt Nagy and teams kind of figuring him out. But I just think Matt Nagy is a phenomenal head coach. I agree. I think I'm right now, you. I think schematically they're better than Minnesota, barely. Uh, you know, and they did sweep them last year. And I, I like that home field advantage they have with them in Chicago if they were ever to meet once they meet for the division. I have to actually check the schedule when they meet in Chicago this year. But I have them over the I have the Bears over the Cowboys. I have them over the Vikings, and I have them over the Eagles. I think the Bears are going to be 
a, a team oh, that's, that's going to make a Super Bowl run next year. Look, I really, I truly the, believe that. I love the Bears. It's just I, I can't. There's always that team, Evan, that has a great year and then has a step back. Sure. The Bears just have that written all over them next year. I just do because they did lose some pieces. It's a second-year head coach. People are unsure about Trubisky. I don't know. I think that next year could be their year. They're extremely talented, but I think next year could be their year where they where they take a step back. One, and I will say about the Cowboys, I'm putting them over the Eagles. You think the Cowboys uh, uh, are better than the Eagles? Yes. Really? I, I, yes. I just think they're more. I think the defense is better. I think they have more of a foundation in the running game. I don't know if the Eagles really now. Jordan Howard was a good addition. I didn't like the Bears giving him up. I'll say that. I did not like Me them. too. I didn't, like I, I, thought, all. I didn't think they should have gave him up either. I think Jordan, they didn't want to pay him. That's why. Sure. But it was also, it was that. And also, I think most, I think it was mostly because of the fact that Nagy really, he didn't really fit Nagy's system, even though Howard really made a great compliment to Tariq Cohen, which was just, it was so weird, that situation. It just didn't make any sense I'm to really me. I'm really interested with what they do with David Montgomery, because oh, he's, yeah. he's a really good running back. Yeah. And I, I'm interested to see how creative uh, Matt Nagy gets with him. Yeah. He could uh, he could be very good in this yeah. league. I just think the cow, but I think the Cowboys right now have a more foundation in terms of their offense with the running game. I think weapons. I think receivers wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think receivers wise. I think Dak has better receivers right now than Carson. Really, Wester. you think yes. so? Yeah, he's got Alshon Jeffrey, but Aguilar seems to be out the door. Who's better, Alshon Jeffrey or Amari Cooper? Who I would say like I would say Jeffrey, but I'm just I, I think more of a more of a. Unit, I think the Cowboys are better with Amari Cooper. With uh, I know they lost Cole Beasley. With um, Gallup, Gallup, who I think is going to be a stud. Randall Cobb. Randall, I, th- I like the addition of Randall Cobb. I know you're not really that big a fan. I don't but love I, him, but as a third, I, fourth receiver, I can take him. It's yeah. not bad. And you know what? I really think Jason Wynn might do well. I, I, he ain't better. He's not better than what the I Eagles think, have a time with Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is a, is a beast. I think they're... But I think, I think the, will do fine. I think the Cowboy offense will definitely be better with Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. Oh, I do. I think sure. the fact that well, they we'll fired see. Scott Linehan was really, really smart. And I think that defense is going to be good, too. Ron Marinelli, I think, is one of the best coordinators in football. I, I Not even just defensive coordinators. He's one of the best coordinators in football. All right. Hour number three. Also, give me Seattle over Atlanta right now. Even though Atlanta, you think, I think so? Atlanta, even though I think Atlanta will bounce back, I don't know. I still think Seattle over Atlanta. All right, all right. Uh, when we come back, hour number three, we'll do the AFC portion of these power rankings, sixteen to one. Sorry, Big Mike. Spoiler alert. Back after this, hour number three, Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents The Haystack Show with Mike Guido. Our number three here on The Haystack of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, World. WideSportsRadio.com, Facebook Live, Twitter, Periscope, Spotify. We're everywhere. You're in the right place. Number to call is 631 Call us up. Join the conversation. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. Good to have you in here on a Wednesday. Oh, my goodness. Wow. You all right? Hour number three. I think you seem too excited. Absolutely. Uh, honestly, 
today we had an awesome show today. Still an hour to go. We definitely did. Uh, awesome did. show today. I uh, was able to talk about Nick Bosa. Was able to get that off my chest. Uh, talked to Connor Rogers today about the NFL draft. That was a, a great, great conversation. Great discussion with him. Um, and now I've got power rankings. Look at this. I was dead right about the Boston Celtics. Okay. God, man, look okay. at this. Right, Evan? I got one of you guys. I got another Tendo. All right. So let's do this because I was dumb. I thought maybe I could fit both power rankings in before hour number three started. <laughs> I told you but so. But I guess I can't. So yeah. let's go yeah, to... didn't want to listen to your producer. Yeah, the, the producer said... said AFC portion of the power rankings. Let's do it. Um... And again, I feel like there might be some disagreement from you as well because this was—I will say this—the AFC is really hard. Are the Baltimore Ravens number one? <laughs> Just wait, sir. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, number sixteen. Oh, sorry, big, sorry, big Mike. The Miami Dolphins are at number sixteen. I know they got Josh Rosen, and that's a really great get. I think he, I think he could very well easily be your future at quarterback. But your roster just isn't good. You don't have a great O line. You don't have great weapons. Your running game kind of stinks. Your defense isn't that put together. You just don't have a lot of stuff. It's just you got Christian Wilkins. You got Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, you got rid of all your pass rushers. No more Cameron Wake. No more Robert Quinn. You got to see if you can get more out of Charles Harris. I just, I'm not in love with what you got. I, I just don't love it. Miami, you're at number 16. Number 15, the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm sorry, you stink. You do. And to be honest, I don't think you got any better in the draft. I think your your division got better. The Steelers are still competitive. The Browns are definitely a lot better. And the Ravens are still way better than you. The Bengals, I really think, just are not a good football team right now. I think they're getting to the point where they may want to move on from Andy Dalton. Um... They have a good running game. They've got good weapons. Their offensive line still isn't that good, even with Jonah Williams there now. And your defense, honestly, you you didn't really do anything to address your defense. Your defense still is going to be one of the worst in the NFL. It really is. You got rid of Vontez Perfect, and you didn't address it at all. You really didn't do anything to make it better. You drafted Jonah Williams in the first, and then Drew Sample a tight end in the second. I just really don't think you did anything that made your team better. So... Cincinnati are at 15. Number 14. This is where it gets really tough because I think the Bengals and the Dolphins are the clear-cut two worst teams in the AFC. After that, you could go anywhere with all of these guys. Number 14. You're not going to like me for this. I'm going to say it's the Denver Broncos. I just... I Denver, I think is they did incredibly well in the draft. Incredibly well. But part of that, I think, is because I really like the fact that they got Drew Locke in the second round, and he's not going to play right away. They're going to roll with Flacco. I think their offense is going to be pretty good. I actually think defensively they're going to struggle. I think Chris Harris is probably going to go. And if Von Miller is the only player on your defense, I think you're going to really struggle. Give me Denver at number 14. Like I said, this is going to be extremely hard. Extremely hard. 13, Buffalo. I think the Buffalo Bills are going to show signs of improvement. I think Josh Allen's going to have a much better year throwing the football. 
uh, but I do not think he's going to have as much success running the football. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do with the running back position. Uh, I think they're going to get rid of uh, get rid of LaShawn McCoy. If they're going to run with Frank Gore as their bell cow, I don't know how that's going to work out. They don't have a ton of weapons. I think their defense is going to be very good. I do. I think adding Ed Oliver to that defense is insanely good. Voshan Joseph is a really nice linebacker. I, I think they're going to be very good on that side of the football, but offensively they're still going to struggle. Josh Allen's still going to be running for his life. Uh, Cody Ford was a nice addition, but they need way more than that. Uh, give me Buffalo at 13. Number 12, I am going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I just don't believe that Nick Foles is going to succeed there. I think he is a fine backup quarterback in the NFL. He's not a starter. I'm sorry. I know he won a Super Bowl. He's He won the Super Bowl on a whim. He's not going to do uh, – look, I just I don't love him. And to be honest, I don't think Jacksonville gave him enough. They went with Josh Allen in the first round, and I don't blame them for doing that. They – Josh Allen was there. You had to take him, right? I mean, that was the pick to make, Josh Allen. And then you got Jawan Taylor to improve the offensive line. That was a good pick, too. You just didn't do anything with weapons. You needed to give him receivers. You needed to give him a tight end. I don't know what's going on with Leonard Fournette at running back. Who knows? He's probably out the door. He's he probably might, gone. He might be. So, Jacksonville, I'm going to put you at number 12. And, again, you're going to see where I put the rest of these teams. Your division, the AFC South is very good. It is a very good competitive division. Number 11. How about them New York Jets? I'm going to put the Jets at 11, and I actually think that I know a lot of people are going to say that the Jets are really going to struggle this year, and they are going to have their struggles. That defense, I think, with Quinn and Williams and Ja'Kai Polite added to that defense, I think it is going to be at a different level. That's going to be one of the best defenses in football. I'm telling you right now, Darnold has a, a couple of more weapons. I don't love Robbie Anderson. Maybe Adam Gase could, you know, pull something out of him. But Darnold I loves him. Jamison Crowder, I think, is going to succeed extremely well in that offense. Chris Herndon's a nice little tight end. I think they could get creative with Trevon Wesco. Uh, offensive line, they did improve. Getting Le'Veon Bell, I think, was big for them as well. I think the Jets are going to be much improved. They're gonna, you're going to think I'm crazy. They are going to push for a wild card spot. I'm Actually, no, I don't right think now, you're crazy. I think the Jets could be that good this year. They're not going to blow teams away, but they are definitely going to be. I think they're going to be at least close to 500 basically all year when long. When you're done with your list uh, for the AFC, I, I trust me, we might have disagreements with the Jets because I and and Denver because I think I, I, have, I definitely have the Broncos higher and I definitely have the Jets higher. I, I really like wow, the Jets the, this year. The Jets higher too. I like the Jets. I'll put. You, I'll, I'm really interesting a, to see here's who a you spoiler. put down. Here's a spoiler for you. I have the Jets over the Ravens. Wow. I think they're better. Interesting. Right now, right now they're better. All right, number ten. Evan. Speaking of, oh, it's the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland. The Oakland. You can make. The Oakland Raiders, I think, did such a good job at improving this year. LaMarcus Joyner, I think, is going to fit very well in that defense. Um, them getting Cleveland Farrell and Jonathan Abram in the first round, I think, was great. Josh Jacobs to be your bell cow as a running back, I think that was a great move. The only move I didn't like for them that they made was they gave Trent Brown way too much money. They gave Trent Brown way too much money. But again, their offensive line is still pretty good to begin with, so I'm not overly concerned about that. Adding Antonio Brown, I think, was huge. The Oakland Raiders, I think, 
And you might think I'm crazy for this too. The Oakland Raiders, I think, have a very dark horse chance of winning the division. I'm not kidding. I think they could, they could very well win the division. Derek Carr could be back to that play. I don't buy this thing about how John Gruden and Derek Carr don't like each other. Well, they, they stick with him because they didn't take a quarterback at all. They well, had Haskins. Be, well, because everything I've heard the exact opposite. I've heard the ex- I heard that Derek Carr and John Gruden's relationship is incredibly good. That's what I've heard. So, give me the Raiders at number ten. They did such a good job in the draft, and I think they did a good job at improving. Yeah, John Gruden, man. I'll tell you what, right now, I think they have a good chance at winning the division, man. I do. They've got a good chance at winning the division. We can totally win this division, man. Myself, Mike Mayock, I think we killed the draft this year, man. I really like this Get Cleland Farrell, man. Definitely worth the number four overall pick, man. I'll people, tell you that much. People thought he was people thought he was higher, John. You guys took him at number he, lower, John. You guys I took lo- him at number four. Look, I'm telling you right now, I love Cleveland Farrell. I love Cleveland Farrell. And here's my thing about Cleveland Farrell. And I think I said this yesterday. Jonah Williams, who to a lot of people was the best tackle in the draft. They dominated him. Cleveland Farrell dominated him in the national championship game. Dominated him. Absolutely dominated him. So, number nine, give me the Baltimore Ravens. I, They did well in the draft. They did. I think they home run Marquise Brown, home run Jalen Ferguson. I loved those two picks. Lamar Jackson is just going to take a little bit more time. I just believe that. And they lost a lot on defense. They did. Losing Zadarius Smith, losing Terrell Suggs, losing Eric Weddle. They they lost a lot. Losing C.J. Mosley. They lost so many guys on defense. And again, I think I think Jalen Ferguson is going to fill at least one of those spots as a pass rusher. You know, Matt Judon, Jalen Ferguson, Tim Williams. Um, well, what are we going to get? What are they going to get at Tim Williams and Tyrus Bowser at this point? Probably not. I, we have no idea. They got right. nothing out of them. You're nothing. Right. And they took second and third round picks over Juju and Cooper Cup over them. And Alvin Kamara passed on those guys for those two. Right. Thanks, Ozzy. Love you, but thanks. <laughs> Baltimore, number nine. Number eight, one of the best drafts in the entire league. And Connor agrees with me the Tennessee Titans. This team is going to be good. I, I'm telling you right now, Mike Vra- I love what Mike Vrabel is doing with this team. He's not an offensive guy, which is the league that's which is where the league is going. He's a defensive guy, but I love what he's doing with the culture in Tennessee. Those guys play hard-nosed football. They absolutely absolutely do. That offensive line is very good. They're always pesky. They're always very scrappy. And again. Getting Jeffrey Simmons in the first round, if you have to go, if you have to wait a year for him, that's fine. You were able to get AJ Brown in the second. He's gonna help Marcus Mariota a ton. A ton! Corey Davis and AJ Brown, that's a really nice one-two punch. I really like that. Um and then you signed Adam Humphreys. Uh, you definitely gave Mariota some weapons. And Delaney Walker's coming back from the injury. This is going to be a good football team. Tennessee at number eight. Uh, Number seven, another division rival. Give me the Houston Texans. I think that they did so poorly in the draft, but they did address what their biggest need was, and that was offensive line. They got Max Sharping. They got Titus Howard. 
it wasn't a bad draft as far as filling the offensive line. I just thought there were better players on the board. And to be honest with you, I don't know how much better they got in their secondary. They really needed help at corner and safety, too, after they lost to Ron Matthew, after they're just getting older and weaker and more injury-prone at corner. You know, they they still have Clowney. I don't know if they're going to trade Clowney or not. There's a lot of question marks there. But I think Deshaun Watson can by himself carry this team to at least a, maybe a second-place finish in their division. They're going to still be okay around 500. Give them the Tennessee, uh, I'm sorry, the Houston Texans at number seven. Number six, Cleveland. The Cleveland Browns have made a name for themselves. Evan. This is a good ball club. Look at their roster. It's No, it's deep. They don't have many holes anymore. It's deep. Quarterback, good. Baker Mayfield, running back, loaded. Two. With Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, right? Well, we'll Why, see, we'll, we'll see what happens with Kareem Hunt. I know. Right, we'll Duke, but also Duke Johnson. Yes. Wide receiver, Odell. And Jarvis. Jarvis Landry. Antonio Callaway. The joke, well, Callaway's got to work on his catching, and David Njoku is a, is a stud. David Njoku at, at tight end. Offensive line's pretty good. All they need is really a left tackle. Defense, pass rushers. Garrett Vernon. Interior defensive line. You've got guys like Joby and Sheldon Richardson. They've got linebackers. They added Mac Wilson to that mix. They added Sione Takitaki to that mix. Corner. They got Greedy Williams in the draft to, to pair with Denzel Ward. This team is legit. It is a legit football team. Cleveland has a very good chance at winning this division. Give me the Browns at number six. Number five, I'm much lower on them this year than they were last year. Give me the Kansas City Chiefs. I really think that they're going to take a step back. I don't think Mahomes is going to go is going to throw 50 touchdowns again. Tyree Kill is gone. I I, I I I would be surprised if he played another down of NFL football. He's not. This is this guy's third or fourth chance. He's already been given a second chance. And to be honest, I couldn't agree with anybody more if they said that he should never play a down of football again. Tyree yeah. Kill should be done. I agree. He's done. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And here's really the thing about that. They after they don't really have a lot of offensive weapons. They just don't. What's Kelsey? Kareem Hunt's gone. Tyree Kill's gone. They've got Travis Kelsey. And then who's Sammy, their next best Sammy guy? Sammy Watkins. I might even take Nicole Hardman over him. I mean, like. They have to really get a lot of things going on offense. Their offensive line is good, um, and defensively, they did add some pieces. They were able to get Emmanuel Ogba, you know, they, who I like. I like him. Don't love him. They were able to add Teron Matthew. That's fine. I just, I, I got to be honest with you. I think that they really did lose some pieces. Mahomes will carry them to a good record. Probably a wild card spot, but don't be surprised if the Chiefs take a step back. They got I'm a, I got the Chiefs at number five. Number four, I still have faith in them because I think they did a bit of a cleansing. You know where that comes from. The Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that they, without Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, I think that it's going to sting a little, but it's not like they don't have weapons anymore, right? They still got Juju Smith-Schuster. They still got James Conner. I like the fact that they drafted Deontay Johnson. You know, James Washington is still there. They still got guys to throw to. I'm not overly concerned about that. Uh, I love the trade-up for Devin Bush. I thought that was one of the most... I thought that might have been the best trade of the draft, just in-draft in, in draft trade. 
was going up and getting Devin Bush. That defense, I think, is actually pretty good now. Good pass rushers, good, good linebackers. They've got a good front seven. It's a good front. That secondary is still a Secondary is still a question. But again, I still have faith in some of their young guys. I still think that Terrell Edmonds could come into his own. I really do. You know, I don't hate the kid. I think he could be a fine safety. And corner, again, that still is a bit of a weakness. But when your pass rush and your front seven is that good and you can get that much pressure on the quarterback, I think it makes your it takes a little pressure off of your secondary. Give me the Steelers at number four. I think they're still pretty, uh, pretty darn good. Number three, give me the Los Angeles Chargers. This is a team that will be scary. Mike Williams, I think, is coming into his a full season of really good Mike Williams, I think, could make all the difference in the world for this offense. Again, Phillip Rivers, Keenan Allen, Melvin Gordon, that good offensive line. This is a team that could be very, very good. Uh, I didn't think he was a first-round guy, but them adding Jerry Tillery to the middle of that uh, defensive line, I think, is going to work wonders for them if he can remain consistent. Um, and again... It, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, obviously, they're gonna they're gonna wreak havoc off the edge. Uh, this is a good team. I, this is a team that has a ton a ton of talent. One of the best rosters in the NFL. Give me the Chargers at number three. Number two, God is Chris Ballard working wonders with the Indianapolis Colts. They are insanely good. I'm sorry, if Andrew Luck is able to stay healthy, I think this is a dark. I, I wouldn't even say it's a dark horse team. They are. It's very possible they can go to the Super Bowl. I'm telling you right now. Running game, perfectly fine. They were able to add Paris Campbell to their list of weapons. Now Andrew Luck's got a really nice receiving core. Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron are still there at tight end. They've got a great offensive line. And again, they were able to add Rocky Sin to that defense. They were able to add, uh, who was, uh, oh my God, their other second, Ben Banigou. They yes. were able to add him as well. He can really play. Bobby Okariki, that... They made a lot of changes here on defense. This Indianapolis Colts team is going to be scary good. Uh, they are going to be very, very good. Give me the Indianapolis Colts at number two. And number one, give me the freaking New England Patriots. <laughs> yeah, they are still number one. It drives me crazy, but the Patriots are still number one. The defending Super Bowl champions, they're probably going to win another one. Why do we even watch the NFL? I mean, reminds me of uh, they're the best coach team in the league. They've got one of the they have the, they have the best or the second best quarterback in the league still in Tom Brady. They did very well in the draft. They added Demarius Thomas. They added Nikhil Harry. They've got a ton of good receivers now. Um, Joan Williams. Connor said he was a reach. I think he's going to find a way to fit into that secondary. Uh, Chase Winovich, I think, fits into that defense incredibly well. Yanni Kajust uh, upgrades that offensive line. Damian Harris is another option in the backfield. The Patriots just do everything right. It just drives me crazy. The New England Patriots, they're at number one. All right, just to recap. LOL. Just to recap. Dolphins at 16, Bengals at 15, Denver at 14, Buffalo at 13, the Jacksonville Jaguars at 12. I'm going to put the Jets at 11, Oakland at 10, Baltimore at 9, Tennessee at 8, and Houston at seven. Top six, the Cleveland Browns at six, the Kansas City Chiefs at five, the Steelers at four, Chargers at three, the Indianapolis Colts at two, and then the New England Patriots at one. Uh, Well, we definitely agree on the top at one. De I mean, duh. 16-15, yeah, Cincy, Cincy definitely, and the Dolphins are probably going to be the two worst teams, not only in the conference, but maybe even the whole entire NFL. 
I think Miami is going to be worse than the Giants. I know you have the Giants. Here's where we disagree. I got Denver over Buffalo and Jacksonville. I think Denver's going to compete. They won six games last year with Case Keenum. They could certainly win three, from three maybe even four more games with Joe Flacco. I like the fact him and Lindsey could have a nice connection. Uh, him and Emmanuel Sanders, they get Noah Font. You could have you can have Drew Locke sit for a year or two. I think the defense with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb is going to be nice together. They got Bryce Callahan, which was cool. I think I do think they'll find a way to keep Chris Harris. I think they're going to compete. I, I think Jacksonville just could be a mess. I don't trust Nick Foles in uh, in outside Doug Peterson's system. I don't. I know he's got all about that defense. I, I, I know. I know, but it's also a locker room thing. It's a culture thing. I don't think Jacksonville is a good locker room. I don't think that they have a good culture. I think they have a just a chaotic element to them that like it's a, almost like almost like something's about to burst. It just seems like something's always wrong in Jacksonville. I don't trust them. I got Denver or Buffalo and Jacksonville. I got Denver over the Raiders. I also have the Jets over the Raiders. I have the Jets over the Ravens. I think the Jets are going to be really, really competitive. I really do. I probably, I probably would put the Ravens at around 11 or 12. Cleveland? I'm putting them over the Chiefs. I'm putting them over the Steelers. I'm dropping the Steelers down to at least the six or seven spot. Wow! Really? I don't like. I don't huh? like. I think Pittsburgh and this. Listen, we. You can say it's only one game. But we saw what this offense for the first time looked like without Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell when that Week 17 game when they played the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. They won, but it was ugly. That offense was awful. And that was against the Bengals defense. That Bengals defense by that point in time was pathetic. They barely scored a soul. A soul against that defense. I think the Steelers are going to take a massive drop back, which is why I think Cleveland's the best team in that division. Kansas City, yeah, I agree they're going to take a massive drop back. I probably actually have Houston over them. Chiefs defense is awful. And yeah, how will Pat Mahomes look like with no Tyreek Hill? Tyreek Hill is most likely gone, and rightfully so. What he's done is disgusting. But Tyreek Hill is most, like, most likely gone. That defense is awful. Awful. And it got worse. I know they got D Ford, but it's worse. They got no, I mean, it, to me, and even even with Tyron Matthew, it's awful. Pat Mahomes in year two, I think he's still going to have an awesome year. It's just he's not going to get away with the stuff he got away with this past year. I, some of the stuff he did this past year, I don't think he's getting away with that this year. I think the Colts, I think the Chargers over the Colts. And I know I'm betting on the Chargers again. And every time we bet on them, they let us down. But I'll bet on them again. And I'm, I'm probably falling for it again. You'll but, let it bite you in the ass. Uh, we all will. We all, it always happens with the Chargers. But the, like you said, talent-wise, the talent is there for the Chargers. Again, in the Phillip Rivers era. Then the, Again, in the Phillip Rivers era. The talent is there for them to win a Super Bowl and get and get a ring for the Charger organization. And you're just, you're just hoping that this is it, finally. I put them over the Colts, and I'll tell you why. They're the better football team. And while Rivers has had his trouble, his troubles in the weather in the playoffs, I'm not. I I'm actually more concerned. I watched that Colts game with Andrew Luck in the playoff game against the Chiefs. That was ugly. I don't know what that was. And I just think back to that shoulder shoulder problems Andrew Luck's had to battle over the last two years now. And you watch him in that cold environment. It's like, oof. Like it's like how do, how does he how is that going to work in the elements with that shoulder? I right. don't know. Which is why I got the charge over the Colts. And I got the Steelers. I got 
Cleveland over Pittsburgh and the Chiefs. I got the Texans over the Steelers, maybe even and even over Kansas City. I agree with you. Tennessee's going to be scrappy. And Mariota, hey, here we go. This is it for him. He's got to I like I've always loved Mariota. I love his competitiveness. I love his leadership. I love Mariota. I do. I hope this year is a, is the year where he shows everybody that, yeah, he is a franchise quarterback. I got Tennessee, a scrappy team. I got Baltimore, though. Still over the Raiders, but below the Jets, uh, below Jacksonville, below Denver. I'm just not high on Baltimore. I'm not. I don't like their defense. Their defense got shredded in the offseason. They're going to give up a lot of points. Offensively, it's Willie. Yes, they got to. I'm happy that they built around the offense with Lamar Jackson. Hey, I'm happy. Hey. You didn't do it with Joe Flacco for 11 years. Well, yeah, at least you're going to do it with Lamar Jackson. I don't know why you didn't do it with Joe for a decade, but I guess you want to try with Lamar. But the problem is going to be that defense and how does Lamar Jackson develop as a passer. I'm, right. I'm a broken record when I say it, but I'll keep saying it. How does he develop as a passer? And I also don't know how he's going to work with a veteran slot guy in Willie Sneed and two rookies because that's a lot of that's a lot of rap board to develop. Two rookie, uh, a slot receiver like Willis Sneed, and two rookies. Right. How is that gonna? How is he gonna develop with that? Right. Mark Andrews, I think, will have a nice year. But it's it's also about the fact that they're still gonna run this all run gimmick offense, and that schedule that they have is really tough. It's tough. How? And I think teams are gonna see, are gonna look at this offense, and they're gonna stop it, and they're gonna find ways to limit it. You saw it as that run went along. People went crazy because, oh, they were winning with Lamar. But if you really watch the games closely, you could see teams were figuring it out. And that offense was getting stopped. And Lamar had fumbling issues. And it all came to a head in that playoff game with the Chargers. I, I'm just not high on the Ravens. I'm really not. And again, that schedule is rough. We'll see with the Ravens, but I'm not high on them at all. I'm really not. All right. So that's the power rankings. But we have a long way to go. Season's not till September. You're right. You're right. We, everything just, anything can happen. It's immediate post-draft stuff. A lot of things can change. All right. Coming up next. Five things we learned in the first month of this Major League Baseball season. This was Evan's idea, not mine. Yeah. So if you don't like it, welcome. blame him. Yeah, I'm, you're welcome. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's coming up next. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back. This is the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. You probably have a shoot promo right now about uh, a certain sports radio host right now. Oh, yeah. Can you believe that? Oh, he's got a live mic, See, guys. So here we go. Right, so uh, Put Renee on for this. Renee Canales, Chalk Talk coming on just for a second. You don't even have to stay on, Renee. I just want you to hear this. Okay, so today we had a big we had a big show today. It was yeah. a very very good show today. I know. Um, we had Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report on today to talk NFL draft, right? Yeah. So, and you obviously know who he is Bleacher, stick to football, everything like that. Big, you know, big NFL draft guy. Big, uh, big. Jets we team. just turned on Cowherd. And he was there. And Cowherd was talking about something about Matt Miller, who is Connor Rogers' partner. I swear, Cowherd steals from me. <laughs> I swear. It is and this is not the only time. Cowherd and I will literally cover the same stories and have the same angles and my show starts an hour before his does. I swear he steals from me. I'm telling you it right now, be, man. It might be telepathy, man. I I don't know. It's some sort of cross country 
I, I don't know. I, I feel like Leo, man. That <laughs> 70s show. <laughs> yo, that's crazy, man. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> that's crazy. Yo, yo, I don't know what's going on, man, but man. it's like he's reading my mind, man. Dude, it's like, bro, <laughs> it's like. Wait, Whoa. I'm I'm the boss. <laughs> Yo, he's my favorite. I love him. Um, all right. Anyway, sounds like the character. Sounds like the character from Cars. The Fillmore, I think his name is. Fillmore, yeah, Fillmore is from Cars. The, he's that, like, hey man. Is that the tow truck dude? No, no he's the, the tow uh, truck. That's, no, that's Mater. Mater. Oh, Mater. That's, that's Mater. Right. Gotta get me some more taters. That's, that's Larry the Cable Rearview Guy. Rearview right? mirrors. Right. <laughs> Rearview mirrors. <laughs> 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 nothing, be- yeah, nothing, nothing beats Doc Hudson. Nothing beats Doc Hudson. It's nothing uh, quite like me walking into a room, not even planning to talk, and this segment just being derailed at the start. Absolutely. Absolutely. No- okay. Nothing beats Doc Hudson. Let's right. get it. Nothing Let's beats it. Doc Hudson, played by the late great Paul Newman. Let's get back on track. Uh, so we've had a great show today. Obviously, we talked to Connor Rogers today. It was a great discussion with him. Uh, talked to him at about 1130. So if you missed it, you can go back and you can look at it. Uh, really gave us some good stuff. Um, and I'm actually, I actually find it funny because him and I actually agreed on a lot of things. I'm not a draft expert. He is. I actually made me feel a little bit smarter. Um, I mean, get that ego up. already smart, buddy. Hey, look! I don't like egos. You already not. You already know that I don't like egos. I'm trying not to inflate mine too much. I'm gonna float to the ceiling soon. Um, You're gonna find Tyler up there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, love you, Tyler. I'm gonna push the ceiling panel up, and I'm gonna. Oh, hey, man. Um, no, but okay. So the five things that we learned in the past uh, past month of the Major League Baseball season, we're gonna do this every month. So, Evan, I'm going to let you go first. Oh, cool, because it's my let, idea? Yes, because it's your idea. Over the Pirates in their final Sorry. So, okay. Man, who, there we go. Sorry, that's Gary. Who keeps talking? <laughs> no, you know what's funny? No, because I got... Damn I it, found... Gary! <laughs> <laughs> Selfish! <laughs> you, know what's funny? No, I, you know what's funny? I love the SMY theme so much. This is like the only video where, where you actually get the full theme. I totally forgot Gary Cohen actually speaks in this video. It's actually right before the 2012 season finale. Okay, right after it. All okay, right, so let's the go. The five things you learned, Evan, what do you got? Well, at number one, and there's a reason why I have the Mets themed SMY theme playing right now, it's the Mets. Their pitching is awful. Jacob DeGrom has been awful for the last three games. Noah Syndergaard has been awful for the first month. Zach Wheeler has been awful. Vargas has been mostly awful. Their best starting pitcher right now has been Steven Matz. And, hey, that's cool. I'll take it. That's awesome. But for him to be the only good starting pitcher right now for the, for the first month, that's awful. You're just praying he stays healthy. Absolutely. That, that's always been him. the thing with him. Stay healthy. The bullpen. Other than Edwin Diaz and even at times Seth Lugo, it's awful. It's been awful. Just Jerry's Familia has been awful. Uh, Robert Gazelma has been awful. Lugo has been awful in games. Justin Wilson's been awful. Hope Bullpen's been awful. And again, supposed to be this big revamp group. It's been awful. Other than Edwin Diaz. They'll rebound. That's I, the I, thing. I think they'll rebound. That's the thing, though. You have I have faith in this pitching staff that it's going to be, that it's going to, in the pit, starting pitching staff in the bullpen, that it's going to be good, that it's going to be bounce back. And I really do believe that. But my thing is, it's Mickey Calloway. Don't blame Mickey Calloway for what's going on with the pitch set. Mickey Calloway is getting a lot of criticism for what's going on, getting a lot of criticism for always handling the bullpen and all that stuff. And, the, and him, the fact that he has a pitching background, don't blame him. Why? Because these, bottom line is, he's pushing the right buttons. They're just not pitching well. That's the thing. They're doing, they're, he's pushing the right buttons. Dave Island deserves some uh, 
Dave, Dave, what? So Dave Island deserves some uh, criticism as well. Dave, right. Dave Island too, they but... They can't only be Mickey Calloway. They you, both have pitching back. You're right, but Mickey Calloway is the manager. And Calloway is the one who's getting a lot, is getting a lot no, of the finger pointing. No, I understand that. But Mickey Calloway being the manager, he has to focus on the entire team. I understand. Dave Island focuses on pitching, pitching staff. No, I, I hear you. I agree with you. And you can't really expect Jacob DeGrom to go out there and pitch every single night and give you a quality start. Uh, I, you know, I, you've I, got 26 I, in a row. I 1,000% like. agree with you, but DeGrom has been off for the last three starts. That's just the facts. No, he, he hasn't been And they need great. him to be better. He hasn't been great, but he'll get he'll get there. I agree. And Noah Syndergaard has a six-point-sump ERA, which is disgusting. Yeah, and that needs and that should be better, too. Him winning the side, sure. Say. But I think he'll bounce back, too. But I think for the people who are blaming Callaway for this, don't. He's pushing the right buttons. It's not his fault these pitchers who are supposed to be pitching well are not. I think they'll be all right. But Mickey Callaway, I think, deserves a little bit of credit for the fact that the Mets pitching staff and bullpen starting pitching has been awful. And they at least finished the first month of the season a game above 500 still competing. So that's number one for me. Number two. Oh, that's right. That's right. You see see how long it's been since we did this? I thought we rotated. Okay. Number two. See, I'm wow. I, I, this is my idea, and I already rusty at it. Number two, actually, it's the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees are beating bad baseball teams. That is true. You know, hey, after the after starting off not beating any bad teams, they finally are. But I think Aaron Boone deserves a lot of credit because Aaron Boone has had to handle and he's had to yeah. kind of weather I mean, the storm. I, I said it before when all the injuries were hitting, he had to weather the storm. Yeah, he's done a good job of that. He's Hate actually, to do it, but yeah, he does. He has, right. He's done a very he's nice. Pushing all the right buttons too. He's done a very nice job just to weather just to weather all the injuries and you know trying to keep the team afloat. They're beating bad baseball teams. They're obviously, you know, the, the, it's that you know that's just how it is. But at least they are from the first two weeks of the season. You know, to start off April. But I think Aaron Boone does deserve credit for being able to weather the storm, and the fact that the Yankees are what seventeen and twelve, I think, right now. They're one of the high, they were one of the highest teams in baseball going into last night. Yeah, they were what? Yeah, they were at one point they won what ten of the last twelve, ten of the last thirteen. Yeah, no, they 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 have done. I think they're eleven and two in their last thirteen. Yeah, Aaron and Aaron Boone, who has taken a lot of criticism, and I'm sure people were, people were already going for asking him to be fired. During the first two weeks, three, two and a half weeks of the season, when all the injuries are hitting them, I'll say this though, Evan: uh, there, the Yankees are beating bad baseball teams as a bad baseball team, as a Triple A like, ball club. They, they, uh, this is not their full squad. They, they, they're beating like Mike Talkman's hitting fifth today for yeah. the Yankees, and we mentioned, like, you know, you know what I mean? It's crazy. I mean, you're getting the production from Luke Voigt. You get Gary, Gary Sanchez yeah. hitting absolutely Glaber, bomb. Glaber Torres, Glaber Torres is, is hitting the ball well. Gio Urshela uh, playing this How stupendous about that defense. Kid? Oh, dude. Stupendous defense. Not only that, and he's actually hitting the ball pretty well. Uh, he's back in the lineup today, which is good to see. Good. Yeah. Yankees have a game today? Yeah, they play a oh, okay. Arizona, Arizona, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, you, you, DJ LeMahieu has been an absolute fine steal for the Yankees, even though you know he's day-to-day with that knee. Uh, He'll come back. He'll, He'll come, come back. back soon. But, I mean, Mike Ford produced when he got his call up. I mean, the, the Yankees have gotten everybody that they've literally called up. What more can you really ask for? Like, can I say this too? Up? The one guy they haven't been getting production from is Brett Gardner. He really hasn't done anything. I mean, he Gardner always gets off. He's to his big, He's He gets to his big power streak in April every year. He hits like five home runs in one month, and then he'll like die out. And then he hits 150 the rest of the year. It's just I don't know. 
But yeah, the Yankees, I gotta give him credit. And Aaron Boone deserves a lot of credit too. He really does. Even with their bullpen sort of. Yeah, the bullpen hasn't been strong either. Struggling mightily, you may say. I mean, they they held some serious leads in the game against, games against the Giants. They were up eight nothing at one point, six nothing at one point. I think it was. You know, the bullpen, you know, lets them back in. But I mean. The Yankees have been doing it, and they've been doing right. it well. Right, right, right. Production from one through nine. Sure. Their starting pitching is a, has given him length. Herman? I mean, who saw this Hooey. from Domingo Herman? Hooey! You know, James Paxson is, is pitching pretty well. CeCe Sabathia has been pitching pretty well, even though he took the loss yesterday uh, after getting his 3,000 strikeout. But, I mean, they've been getting it. All right, Evan, number three. Go ahead, bud. The... Cardinals and the Astros are currently the best team in baseball, in my opinion, for the AL and the National League. But the Los Angeles Dodgers are right there. The Los Angeles Dodgers lose Matt Kemp. They lose, yes, they trade Yasiel Puig. They trade Matt Kemp. Clayton Kershaw has not pitched, has not pitched pretty much at all this season. He, they, lo- they lose him for a while. Uh, actually, he did come back, right, Clayton Kershaw? No, he, he's oh, back. That's right. He is back. He's right, back, right. but he my only bad. came back a couple weeks ago. My, my bad. That's right. They lose Kershaw for a bit. Walk. And they missed out on the big free agents. Manny Machado left. Bryce Harper, they, we all thought he was probably coming to L.A. That didn't happen. They went out and got A.J. Pollock, but still, it was a disappointment that they didn't get Bryce Harper. Yet, the Los Angeles Dodgers have actually been one of the better teams in all of baseball. Walker Bueller has been great. Cody Bellinger is hitting like an MVP. He's been doing really well. So, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cardinals, and the Astros are currently the best teams in each league right now. And I think the Astros are the best team in all of baseball. But the Los Angeles Dodgers are right there. And that's a tough division they're in. And they're, they still look like the class of that division. So, I give the Dodgers a lot of credit, too. Number four, the current National MVP, I mentioned Bellinger, is Christian Yelich. He's, st- he's, he's on his way to repeat as National League MVP. 14 homers. In the first month of the season, which is something that has been done since Albert Pujols by a defending NL MVP since Albert Pujols. Yelich is, I know he's got talent on that offense, but he's essentially carrying this Milwaukee Brewers team. He is sensational. And it's tough if you're a Marlins fan watching him. It's like, it's like you've got to be kidding me. He's batting 353, 14 homers, 36 hits, and 102 at-bats, 34 RBIs. 800, 804 slugging percentage. The man is a one-man wrecking machine. He is a he is sensational. The Brewers got themselves a great get with this trade. He keeps proving it to them every day. He was the NL MVP last year, and he has so far been the NL MVP this year. And I'm going to put this other one in the two. The National League Rookie of the Year right now is Pete Alonzo. This guy, at 24 years old, is the best hitter on the Mets. And I am not kidding. He's the most dangerous guy on the Mets, and I am not kidding. He is the star that this franchise has been begging for to come out of the farm system since David Wright. Since David Wright, and I, I know thought David that was Wright, Tim Tebow. No, that's that's later. Timmy T. I know David Wright was around, but David Wright's tenure came to an end due to injuries. Unfortunately, we never got the David Wright. Unfortunately, his tenure came to an end due to injuries. The Mets were waiting for that hitter. That guy to come out of the of, in the lineup from the farm and be that impact guy. And Pete Alonso has been that guy through the first month of the season. He really is. And everybody wants, so many people want to know, stay down in the minors for two weeks. Stay down in the minors for two weeks. Where would this Mets team, with, the, with how bad the pitching has been, where would this Mets team be without Pete Alonso? A 24-year-old rookie is the best 
hitter on this team right now. And I know Jeff McNeil and Conforto can make cases. And I agree, they've done, they've been well, they've done well so far, Jeff McNeil especially. But in terms of impact, it's Pete Alonso. He's been great. And again, what was the hype coming into the National League? Who was going to be rookie of the year? Well, Fernando Tatis, Fernando Tatis, Fernando Tatis. He still very well could be. But I said, no, it's gonna, it should be. No, Pete Alonso has got a legit chance. And so far, Pete Alonso looks like the rookie of the year right now. It's only April, but he looks like the rookie of the year. And he has been the most important piece of the Mets so far this season. And to wrap it up at number five, the Boston Red Sox are not the most disappointing team in baseball to me. It's the Washington Nationals. The Washington Nationals are... I don't know what they are. I don't know what's going on. They're a talented ball club. Their pitching staff is good. Their lineup is good. But they lost their most important player. I don't care because Bryce Harper is not should not be that important because they didn't go that far with him. The Washington Nationals are still a talented ball club. Oh yeah, how's that? Well, how they do in the first round again every year? Yeah, how'd but they, they still got to the playoffs. How how right? they do with competition? But they got to the playoffs. How they do with competition? Yeah, but they got to the. How, how they how they they got to the playoffs with Bryce Harper on the team, right? And when competition Personally hit the, constituted, that and, team right now isn't going to be making the playoffs. And when, and when competition... Okay, then. There we go. And when competition hit them, though, every time with Bryce Harper, they faded. The Nationals yeah, but everybody club, else around Bryce Harper didn't produce either. Oh, please. The, Bryce the, didn't produce either. Bryce didn't produce everybody either. Everybody around Bryce Harper, including Bryce Harper, everybody around him did not produce. So the blame cannot fully go on Bryce Harper. That's just the cheap way out. No, it's That's not the cheap the way cheap out. That's the truth. It's not the out. cheap way out. It's the truth. So it's if, the he's hard not, if he's not that, if he wasn't that important on that team, so why is all the blame going to him? It's, I'm not putting the blame on him. I'm no, just but say, I'm saying. You, you ladies, just said, you're I'm just saying pretty. as a team. I'm just saying. <laughs> he's being the middle man. I'm just saying, and Renee giggles when I call him pretty. <laughs> I'm just saying, with Bryce on the team, they really didn't. They not. They couldn't go past far in the playoffs, and they couldn't compete when there was a challenge in that division. I looked at the National and said they should compete for this division. So far, they look bad. They just. It's once again with another slow start. So I do think the Nationals can bounce back and still compete for this division. I really believe that. But to me, Boston's not the biggest disappointment so far. To me, it's Washington. That's just me. All right, so here's my five. I got to motor through it. Yeah, my bad. That's okay. Renee had to. It was your idea. Renee anyway. had to go Stephen A. on me. We had to go, We had to debate on something. Uh, you and I agree on a bunch. Um, my number one is something that you stated already. I think the Cardinals are the team to beat in the National League. They are incredibly good. Goldschmidt has made all the difference. Jack Flaherty, I think, has made a big difference in that rotation as well. They have one of the best bullpens in baseball now that they they added Andrew Miller. Jordan Hicks is... You can't even touch the kid. The guy throws 106 miles an hour. And a sinker that's 100. I mean, like, you you can't touch the kid. Cardinals are the team to beat in the National League. Yeah. Number two, this is a big one. The Pirates are going to regret the Chris Archer trade. They really are. And and to be honest with you, I think they already are. I think they did, and I think that they will in the future as well. Tyler Glass now and Austin Meadows are killing it right now for the Rays. And wouldn't you know it, once again, Chris Archer threw five starts this year. His ERA is already four and a half. Just like it has been for the past four seasons. He's never been able to put it together. Guys, it's so simple. Chris Archer's not a top-tier guy. He's a middle-of-the-rotation starter, and he always has been. Chris, that is number two. I, I, the Pirates are going to regret the Chris, uh, the Chris Archer trade. 
Number three and number four kind of tie in together. Yankee fans shouldn't panic. Number four is Red Sox fans should panic. I'm sorry. The Yankees are winning games, and even when they do struggle, you can pin it on the fact that they're not at full strength. The Red Sox, they're losing games as a full-strength baseball team, and their best players just aren't playing well. Chris Sale this year has a 6.3 ERA through six starts. 6.3. Now, he'll come back down to earth, but I, I don't know what's going on with him. He's got no zip on his fastball whatsoever. He's His slider doesn't have break. He's hanging pitches. His location's not there. Chris Sale just isn't doing his job. So Red Sox fans, I would panic. Yankee fans, I would. I think I'd be okay for now. You're going to get guys back, and you're going to start playing even better than you are now. So that's three and four. And the number five, sometimes, just sometimes, prospects take a couple of years to make it but don't worry they will here's the thing Christian Yelich was a good baseball player in Miami he's a great he's one of the best baseball players in the league in Milwaukee Rocky. after a couple of years in the oh league oh my gosh I disagree with you to this point though Cody Bellinger right now is the MVP of the National League I, 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 Cody, Bellin- hey. Cody Bellinger I and he's another guy who Cody Bellinger last year would sometimes get benched because he wasn't playing well. Cody Bellinger is the staple in that lineup this year. Okay, just just to give you an idea. He leads the league in batting average, leads the league in on base, leads the league in slugging, leads the league in OPS, leads the league in OPS plus, leads the league in total bases, leads the league in home runs, leads the league in RBIs, leads the league in runs, he leads the league in hits. He has a He literally leads the league in everything. 431 Cody batting Bellinger average. literally leads the league in every statistical category. 431 got, batting average. He's got more walks than strikeouts. He's cut down on the strikeouts big time. 431, 14 homers and 37 RBIs in a Crazy. month. Crazy. His on base is 508. He gets on base more than half the time. I mean, geez, uh, look, sometimes these guys take a couple of years to get there, but they'll get there. Cody Bellinger's one of those guys. Yelich is one of those guys. Not everybody's Aaron Judge. Not everybody's Aaron Judge or Ronald Acuna. It'll take time, Ozzie but they'll Albies. get there. Ozzy Albies, Glaber Torres. And to are. <laughs> every but every Yankee the, rookie, Gary Sanchez in his rookie year. That's right. Clint Frazier. Um, <laughs> Clint Frazier. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about some time. Severino. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, that's number five. Give your prospects some time. They're, they'll come around. And Cody Bellinger's the best player in baseball right now. He is playing like the best player in baseball. So that's it. That's going to do it for us. Renee Canales joining us for the last segment. Appreciate it, bud. By the way, Bryce no Harper and the Bryce Harper and his amazingness. And the Phillies only have three games over five hundred. The Knicks out here running away with everything. I thought he wasn't oh that important. Oh my god! I not thought so he wasn't that get important. Get over it. Exactly. Get your get your I hair on he wasn't later. that important. Three games over five hundred. I not thought he wasn't that important. So why deal. are you just singling out Bryce Harper? Because he's not. He's not that important. Three games over five hundred. He's not that important. But yeah, he's see, not that yeah, great. Yeah, here you sit singling he's, him out. He's Everybody not that else great. on the team. He's Reece overrated, is and he's Andrew not McCutcheon, that great. Aaron Nola has been playing. Oh has God. been pitching oh, well. Oh it's my not God. just Bryce Harper. The Phillies could be Dude, a good team without him. Dude, it's not just Bryce Harper. The Phillies could be a good team without him. Okay, but too bad he's there. They're not going anywhere with him. They're, he's there. He's in your division. You're gonna have to deal with him. 
Well, too bad. Uh, yeah. And you know what? The Mets obviously have done a good job too of them. Too bad. They, they went what? What do you do? What do you do against the Mets? Did this you guys series? sync what? up or something? Two, what do you do against the Mets this past this past series? Eight strikeouts. Two against Jason know. Vargas. I don't know. You what know a what? great player. He, he's been getting Come on my on. he's been getting on my bad side. What lately. a great player, Bryce Harper. Is. He struck out twice against Jason hey, Vargas, Evan, who should be on a baseball team right now. No throwing. Good water lord. That's a pen. <laughs> I know. I'm referencing God when almighty. I did. It's just so amazing. <laughs> Bryce Harper's is a great player. Give me a break. He's a decent, he's a solid player. Why are player. you losing sleep on Bryce Harper? Because Bryce it's a, ridiculous. You don't need Bryce to lose sleep over it. Bryce Your Harper's team is currently. Bryce Harper is a very. Yeah, they're in because the pitching a, staff is awful. Not because is, they don't okay. have Bryce Harper. Okay. He is a very good baseball player. He is not a top Top five, tier. top seven. No, that's, that's all I hear. Not. He's top five. He's top five. He's the greatest thing since Willie Mays. Give me a break. I watched that series with the Mets last week. He struck out eight times. Two against Jason Vargas. You're, you're it was awful. No, you're not listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Sorry. Yes, you are. Yes, well, actually, yeah, yes, you are, but. Stop it, voice on iTunes. That thing struck out eight times in that series. Twice against Jason Vargas. Give me a break. All right, we can wrap up the show now. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> if you couldn't tell, he's Evan Mazza. Hi. I'm Mike Guido, Haystack, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Chalk Talk's coming up next. We'll see you. Peace. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.